cell. By extension, all cells were ultimately born from one cell, a single organism alone on planet Earth, perhaps alone in the universe. About four billion years ago, one became two, two became four, then eight, 16, 32. The rhythm of the dividing pair. There are some people that have a career in one act. Some people have a career in two. Alex Garland has had three. In 1996, Alex Garland released a novel called The Beach. The novel was hailed as a big success. It got Garland called a key voice of Generation X. His subsequent novel, The Tesseract, was not met with the same praise. Garland moved on from writing novels and decided to try screenwriting. In 2002, at a time when there was a lull in the creation of zombie movies, before the current boom, Garland wrote, and Danny Boyle directed 28 Days Later. Hey, did you hear that? Hey, hey, did you hear that? Yo, what? Right, I've done it. Dad? Jesus Christ! Oh, no! This movie cemented the fast zombies trope and starred a young Killian Murphy. Another collaboration with Killian Murphy and Danny Boyle came in 2017, Sunshine. The third act of Alex Garland's career has been directing his own films. No, no, no. Stop. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. What are you doing? I told you, you're wasting your time talking to her. However, you would not be wasting your time if you were dancing with her. He made his directorial debut in 2014 with Ex Machina. The film was based on his own story and he wrote the screenplay. While making it, a producer on Ex Machina read the novel Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. He passed it on to Alex as their next project. Tonight we're talking about Alex Garland's 2018 science fiction movie, Annihilation. Annihilation is based on Jeff Vandermeer's 2014 novel, it came to him in a dream. The dream occurred after a hike through St. Mark's National Wildlife Refuge in North Florida. In the novel, this area has been closed off from the general public and called Area X. 
11 expeditions have taken place, fraught with death, disappearances, and cancer. A biologist's husband was the first one to come back from an expedition, but does not remember how he came back. This novel is the story of the 12th expedition. Four women, biologist, anthropologist, psychologist, and a surveyor go into Area X. Vandermeer's work has been part of a movement called New Weird. However, Annihilation was the first mainstream success that he found. It would be hard to adapt it into a straightforward screenplay, so Alex Garland sought Vandermeer's permission to adapt the atmosphere. The film keeps the strange, ambiguous, and open-ended nature of the writing. Vandermeer's novel does not give the characters names. The novel is told from the perspective of the biologist, as if from journal entries. Alex names the biologist, now a cellular biologist, and former army soldier, a soldier scientist, Lena, who is played excellently as always by Natalie Portman. Her husband Kane, also a soldier, is played by Oscar Isaac. Jennifer Jason Lee is a psychologist, Dr. Ventress. Gina Rodriguez plays Anya, a paramedic. Tessa Thompson is Josie Raddick, a physicist. And Tuba Novotny plays a geomorphologist named Cass Shepard. We should go back, yes, but it took us, what, six days to get here? And the coast is two days away. You're saying that we get out by going deeper in? Yeah, if you like, yeah. Like? No, I don't like. This isn't some tactic to get us to the lighthouse, is it? I believe that the coast is the best route out. Each of these women, as Cass put it, are damaged goods in some way. They are either alone, have experienced unimaginable loss, or exhibit self-destructive behavior like cutting. I think as she was dying, part of her mind became part of the creature that was killing her. Imagine dying frightened and in pain and having that as the only part of you which survives. I wouldn't like that at all. And Alex Garland was fascinated by exploring the self-destruction that we as humans are constantly engaging in. There are some acts of literal, physical self-destruction, like cancer or suicide, and then psychological self-destruction, which is what Garland was most interested in. Area X from the novel, still in North Florida, is redefined as the shimmer. The shimmer mutates everything inside of it, from light to sound to your very cells. The film starts with a lesson Lena is giving in the classroom. We see a cell splitting, and Lena reveals that these are cells from a tumor. Cancer in the cells are a physical manifestation of self-destruction. What's inside you? It's not like us. It's unlike us. I don't know what it wants. Or if it wants. But it will grow. The shimmer's mutation is like a prism. Everything is refracted inside of it. Without self-destruction, we can't become something new. This is the idea that Alex Garland took into Annihilation. What did it want? I don't think it wanted anything. But it, it attacked you. It mirrored me. I attacked it. I'm not sure it even knew I was there. It came here for a reason. It was mutating our environment. It was destroying everything. It wasn't 
destroying, who is changing everything. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks, this Barbie is streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics, Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Katie Baldessaro is an actress, director, and writer who wrote and co-directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. She's also voice acting in a scripted podcast series, The Starwell Foundation, an audio drama set in the city of superheroes wherever podcasts are listened to. I, of course, am your host and local lighthouse keeper covered in mutated fungus, Forrest Miller. Let's <laughs> shimmer, baby. Right. I'm, I'm ready. The Crystal Plant Lighthouse Mojo Dojo Denison over here. Woo woo! <laughs> Yo, I, I just, I mean, I was saying this, you know, before we started, but I really think the, you know, the shimmer improved North Florida. Yeah, North Florida is probably one of the less odious sections of Florida. We'd like to welcome our Florida listeners, by the way. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah I mean, South Florida is worse, but South Florida. Yeah, yeah that, that's because worse. the people who actually are from Florida live there, and the people who right. uh, like like everybody we hate in Florida are not is not from Florida. Yeah, right. a lot of them but, are from Cuba. But that said, if if we're gonna make a, a culturally insensitive uh, regional humor, then yes, it was a definite improvement to shimmer <laughs> up on uh, Florida. Well, the shimmers woke. You know what I mean? The shimmer, the shimmers coming. DeSantis is already uh, launching ads against it. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so funny about uh, Annihilation, the setting in the film versus Annihilation, the setting in the book is exactly that. Annihilation, the film seems subtropic, seems Floridian, seems swampy. It is so distinctly Lovecraftian in the book that I couldn't help but feel like we were in a New England coastal situation. So, like, this interesting... Uh, and and the, the irony to that is that the movie was actually filmed in England. Uh, they filmed it in, like, the swampiest part of England, like, in the bogs, How rather funny. than filming it in actual Florida, which is where uh, Jeff Vandermeer, shout out to, you know, his his uh lovecraftian style of writing but um yeah he had he had taken this uh walk like this 14 mile hike up this to this lighthouse on a state park or whatever in florida he did uh -huh. it every day for months and then had this insane dream where everything was kind of blending together um in this nightmarish way and then wrote a book about that and then uh you know alex garland's like well why don't we just film this in england that's right. you know it's like because if it's transformed why not yeah <laughs> Well, it's like the Simpsons day, you know. If you want a you want a cow, you actually need a horse. If you need a horse, you got to tape a bunch of cats together. Nothing should be exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> it is kind of wild, though, to think about. Uh, sorry, Andy, but like just like when we think of like this type of sci-fi or horror, it's hard not to think of good old HP, huh? 
Like, mm-hmm. and and henceforth New England, which I mean, talk about a guy that put Rhode Island on the map. That's <laughs> what I say that many people. I mean, it's there. He's got to get the magnifying glass to see it. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, when you're reading a Lovecraft novel, you should remember that it's like, oh my God, the Eldridge horror. You know, like that's the accent of the characters in these novels. Yeah, right, they right, talk yeah. like my relatives. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same with Stephen King, right? Like Stephen King, everybody is in fucking Maine. Like every. I mean, not every book he's written, obviously, but like that's where he's writing yeah. from. So yeah. it's, it's hard not to imagine yeah. like every every Stephen King fucking novel that I've read. Like it's hard not to imagine everyone's kind of just like a, an older man in Maine, like a wasp yeah. that's just like you can't get there it's, from here. Well, 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 and there's, like, there's a clown they, in the sewer. There's a clown in the sewer. Uh, there's a, that uh, that show uh, from a couple years ago. Um, the what, shoot, what was it called again? The Stephen King show, uh, Castle oh, Rock, right? Castle Rock, oh, yeah, yeah. Castle yeah. Rock, uh, filmed in Orange, Massachusetts, pretty darn good. Like, really leaned into that as well. Which, by the way, incredible uh, performance by Lizzie Kaplan, Ooh. uh, in the second season as a young misery Chastain. Which I was like, I don't know why they're doing this, there's no reason to <laughs> do this, I don't know why you would do this. She made it work, and it was it was pretty incredible. But I, I feel like nobody watched that show, unfortunately. Especially in it season two, it really kind of jumped in a bunch of weird directions. Yeah, I think. I mean, but there is one of the best two. performances about dementia I've ever seen on anything. It's, oh my it's God, also interesting that like I feel like uh, Lovecraft. Some of his stuff kind of has gotten like reappropriated. Like there was the Jordan Peele uh, series they kind of did Lovecraft Country, which is based off of the, yeah. the, the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, bo- like, books books there's a book i know i don't think so it, it's 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 interesting that like all of these authors their work gets uh constantly like appropriated and reappropriated until like yeah. the settings have completely changed and like our our their place in our consciousness i guess have, has changed right because i mean lovecraft's kind of famous for being a little little on the racist side with some of his uh quotes and i think stuff. you could just say racist not even <laughs> just a little a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but the one thing about Lovecraft little, though is he actually intended he, he intended his work to be uh, used like that because like uh, while he he was still alive while he was being published people were writing about the Necronomicon you know yeah. like this creation of his uh, was showing up in other works of fiction and weird uh, tales or weird uh, you know whatever uh, amazing stories or whatever he was being published at the time yeah yeah it's kind of interesting that as an author he becomes almost a genre. Like, um, I think Geiger also kind of does this, but like, think of other authors for whom it becomes, it's not really plagiarism, it's just existing in his genre. Stephen King, Clive Barker, uh, Anne Rice. Can uh, we get outside of horror or is it specifically <laughs> horror? I mean, yeah, that's where my mind is, like, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Arthur, C- Arthur C. Clarke would be one of them. Philip K. Dick. An, I mean, I can do this all day if we want to. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, at some point we should probably discuss the film. But as far as authors go, I don't know Jeff Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will admit to my first experience to him is seeing the movie of this without even realizing it was based not just on a book, but a book series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess he's, you know, fairly well known amongst the people that know him. And he has these anthologies and stuff, too. The Weird, the New Weird. The, yeah. You know, well, his, which his are great book, names for anthologies, by the way. His book series only started a couple years before the film, right? Like, it was a, yeah. it was yeah. a new it was a Yeah, new it was a, the second book came out while they were casting. Yeah. Got it. So, which I guess the um, second book's more about, like, the control area. Like, the, it was like, yeah, it's a completely read? separate story. But, I mean, you can even argue... Sorry. The first book is a completely separate story. You know, I think it would well, have the been thing good that, the thing that this was in the world um, of. Take, 
the yeah, thing yeah. that's supposed to like, I hold the world sense. together is that it's like the southern reach, right? Like it's and which is in the movie too. It's, so it's, it's the, the other side of the right, right. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I heard that the third one kind of does like kind of an asynchronous sort of thing where it's sort of like telling two different stories and stuff. And there's also like I know that some of the changes from the books, there's like an actual lighthouse keeper that's in the book that kind of the Oscar Isaac character sort of takes narratively the place of um in a few places and, and things like that. I, I don't yeah. I don't know, yeah, I haven't actually read them. <laughs> I, I just you want to hear more opinions about the books I haven't read. <laughs> I just finished reading the book. So I experienced yeah. this by watching the movie, loving yeah. the shit out of it, reading the book, <laughs> then watching the movie again, and now being yeah. like, "Fucking Christ!" Because so what are so what like, kind of changes are there? What are like, like? But I because I, I know like, it was contentious too. Like one of the producers, like. It tested poorly for test audiences, mm-hmm. and they were like, you have to change that ending. And yeah. then, like, Garland's like, no, I don't want to. And the other producer's like, no, he's not going to. And they're like, well, you have to change it. And yeah. ultimately, the back and forth meant that it didn't get, like, a larger theatrical release. Cause the, yeah, the well, it got who Netflix heavy. To, like, the, it the got producer. released on Netflix uh, heavily because, we, well, for the reason that, you know, the other, the other side of it, like, the distribution side of it kind of dropped out. Yeah, well, well, there's two things uh, that I want to point out. The producer who who uh, tried to come I'm tempted to talk while you're talking, just because yeah. it would be a three mm-hmm. in a row. But uh, no, no, <laughs> but the the, the uh, producer who t- attempted to uh, uh, you know to change the ending, he's the guy who greenlit Geostorm. So so Geostorm. I mean, Sorry. <laughs> just gives you an idea of who we're talking about. And two, it was. I don't even know what that. What is that? Yeah, is that, I don't know what movie? that is. What so is that? That, that's, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't give me an idea of anything. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Just do something and go watch it. <laughs> it's, it's a movie from. Uh, isn't it from the guy who did uh, Moonfall and uh, Independence it's, Day? It's fucking uh, the guy who was uh, the, the Gerald Butler. Gerald Butler. So they, and yeah, the Gerald Butler. I already don't want to watch it. Yeah, that's it's, yeah. It's not selling this to me. Basically, terrorists <laughs> take over a weather-controlling uh, space station to kill the president, and a scientist played by Gerald Butler is the only person who can stop him. Well, his wait, brother wait. is part of the Secret Service. Gerard so Butler's the scientist in this? He's the robot. Yeah, he's the, the astronaut scientist. Yeah, he's... Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, sounds great. It, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's everything you expect it to be. It's, it's not a good film. <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. Nah, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I, I love Gerard Butler, you know, like, like but seriously. Yeah, you, so, did, so you, anyway. didn't, you, didn't, you didn't sell but, it but to me. The other thing, the other thing about, the, uh, about Annihilation, it was released a week after Black Panther. Like, like it had uh, no oxygen to, to live in theaters. Yeah, so. which was which was not just a hit, but like a surprisingly big hit. Which yeah, it was a, yeah. anyone that didn't think that wasn't going to be a huge hit doesn't understand culturally how important it is to have like basically the first, you know, real big time black superhero in like a major blockbuster, and that, that was going to fucking go off if it wasn't it, it, it was even like remotely good which it, it was it was it was quite good yeah. if i felt and yeah if i only had money to see one of the two <laughs> i would still have chosen black panther so yeah exactly it wouldn't have been right and right or die for geostorm is that what <laughs> geostorm what yeah. so you know it's just a tangent for a hard second geostorm is like um you know how you have to sometimes pair two things together to have the flavor be correct you go watch the How Did It Get Made episode of Geostorm. Then you watch Geostorm. Then you know why the fandom exists and why that movie's so well received by people who love how bad it is. Does, does, See, I, does okay. Gerard Butler uh, show Dong? Is that why? It has no. no. <laughs> brain, no. Yeah. If you're looking for some action, you're going to have to go to John Claude Van Damme's butt because you're going to get Jake, Jake, John Claude's butt in every film. 
He it really is. It's 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 it basically needs a co-starring credit. It's yes. so ubiquitous. <laughs> uh, I will never forget uh, watching Universal Soldier sitting behind that woman who was just having like absolute like uh you know, having to fan herself like, oh my god, like the whenever they, they showed uh yeah, completely vapes whenever Van Damme was showing his butt in uh Universal Soldier. She she Jean had this big Van haircut too, right in front of me. So like um, uh, so having nothing to do with any of that, though. Yeah, get no. us back on track. I was going to say, trying to bring us back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a long time ago, you asked me what was majorly different from this, uh, from the book to the uh, movie. A long time ago was right, yeah. <laughs> in a galaxy far away. No, I like that tangent, though, because we talked about Geostorm, and I will always prep that movie. Um, I think it would be quicker to tell you what was the same. Um, really? That different? Yeah, okay. there's a biologist. Mm -hmm. um, her husband was in the prior expedition. And that's <laughs> which we, we, we should, that's about it. There's like should, 12 uh, expeditions or something, right? Alex Garland only re read the book once and he read it yeah. while filming Ex Machina, like in the middle of it. He was reading uh, the Annihilation. Yeah, 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 it looks good. And it does have the feeling of like an anchor on New York One who has read an article on the Post and is trying to do a report ad libbed. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, he decided that uh, he couldn't adapt anything in the book. Uh, like pretty much anything in the, in the actual narrative of the book to screen. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he read the book. He goes, I'd love to do this as a project. I can't keep any of this narrative. The characters don't have names. They're just referred to as like their jobs. Like yeah. it's written as in, as like, if like they're like, Japanese or something, yeah. as mm -hmm. if it's like diary entries yeah. or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. so, um, so he's like, I can't do any of this. I can't write this. Someone else could probably write it. I can't. So mm -hmm. he went to Jeff Vandermeer asking to adapt it, but he had to oh, ask okay. him like, Hey, I'm not going to adapt your book. Like it's going to be like a, a very loose adaptation, right? Like I'm going to write my own right, atmospheric right. uh, reimagining of it, the same way that you kind of reimagined like your dream. You know, like I'm going to make my own reimagining of this. Uh, that's like you know, it's atmospheric. It's not, mm -hmm. um, and and that's where it excels. Yeah, that that's mm -hmm. what that's why it's good. Like there was a lot, and I understand he got uh, Vanderbilt got stalker references with the with the book as well. But this oh. is the, but this is the only movie I can think of that you could directly reference that Tarkovsky movie as well as like Alien, uh, or Aliens, I guess more accurately, The Thing, uh, mm -hmm. like Jurassic Park, and, and be I like, no, you're dead on. I would deeply argue that this film borrows yes, from Stalker, <laughs> but the book does not. Right, right. But I think that that's a better change because I, I, and again, you have to, I, I guess I read more of it than Garland did, but I looked at the Wikipedia and like looked at the plot summary. I was like, this is a lot of plot. This is a lot of plot that arguably, I mean, I think it's, a, I think it would be an entirely different movie. You could make like a real heavy, like talky. It's hard because yeah, like you get a you get an unreliable narrator mixed with a sense of paranoia and distrust, and it's like yeah. um, it's like trying to film the book House of Leaves, a wonderful book, but there's no way on earth you could encapsulate the experience of reading it alone, watching it on on, on any kind of format. I, I feel like it's also yeah. like the the concept of kind of um adapting somebody's dream right like they they tell mm -hmm. you in vague strokes what their dream is about <laughs> right. but since you didn't have the dream you can't really like, you're like all right well I, I can kind of go around you know what you're telling me and sure. since you're not mm -hmm. the one directing it i'm directing it like i kind of have to uh transplant my own vision of this dream onto the dream and it's never going to be exactly the same sure yeah. no i think that, that that's actually pretty astute and so, i think that it's mm -hmm. uh, well and again i don't know i i don't like i'm sure the book's a different experience but half the reason i like this is that like that sort of uneasy vibey dread 
So you just a, don't you don't get that. You see movies trying to do that, and then like The Rock says something quippy or something, and it's like yeah. Jesus Christ. It, it won't let you sit in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I have an Alex Garland clip that I liked that he's talking about this process. Cool, cool. And uh, like, so conceptually, and, and of course, they, they hit it hard um, once you've watched this and then you watch the movie again. Like, they definitely hit the, the point he's making pretty fucking like nail on the head, right? Like with self-destruction where it's like, oh, well, we're all self-destructing, but not like not too many people actually commit actual suicide, but we're all kind of self-destructing. And that was the concept that he liked from the book that he took mm-hmm. out of it and wanted to explore. Right. Um, so this is him kind of talking about that process, which once I saw this and then watched the movie again, and there's that line, she's like, well, we're all self-destructing, but not very few of us actually commit suicide. I was like, okay, I've seen this Google talk already. Right, like- right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I, I had this kind of thing that I'd become, uh, aware of, uh, or I believe I'd become aware of, which was that, um, uh, everyone I know, uh, and I would speculate everybody in the room at the moment, uh, is self-destructive. And um, you meet some people and their self-destruction is very apparent. They almost offer it up to you. Uh, they're an alcoholic. They're a heroin addict. They keep uh, committing crimes. They're recidivist or whatever it is. And, and you can see it. It's, it's sort of demonstrated. And then you also meet people who are very confident, comfortable in their own skin. They've got a great job. They earn a lot of money. They have a fantastic family. And you feel always slightly on the back foot because those people are intimidating. And you also feel that they have cracked life in some kind of way. They've cracked it. And then if you become very close to one of those people, you discover odd fishes here and there. And you discover very strange bits of meaningless self-destructive behavior. And it was the meaninglessness of the self-destructive behavior that I found interesting. And uh, people are, the, you know, even the sort of supernaturally uh, prepossessed person is, is sort of dismantling their job or they're dismantling a friendship or they're dismantling their marriage. And, uh, and, and so that became the kind of fixation that was overlaid onto this film. It is basically a film about self-destruction and it has a kind of thesis within it about why we do that. Um, and uh, and the, the various forms in which it takes, I suppose. Um, and then in terms of overlaying that onto Jeff's really beautiful novel, uh, which is about another kind of destruction, more eco, the planet. Um, uh, I thought reading this book is like a dream so so what i'm going to do is i'm going to adapt it like a dream i'm i'm not going to reread the book i'm going to adapt it from my memory of the book mm-hmm. and uh and in a way that was what jeff gave me permission to do so in some places it will correlate very closely and in other places it won't um Could you tap in that feeling that you got from the book versus just how it's a dream response yeah. to a dream book right kind of and uh and, it, and it's an interesting thing as well, because then it becomes about the nature of memory, I think, to an extent as well. I, years and years ago, I was watching some TV show and there was a cop talking about eyewitnesses. And he said, eyewitnesses are useless. Like, forget about everyone thinks an eyewitness is the best thing you can have in solving a crime, but it's like the worst. And, and what you need is empirical evidence, fingerprints and DNA and stuff like that. 
And he was saying someone runs into uh, a restaurant and there's a violent crime and someone's killed. And one eyewitness will say he had a gun, shot five times. Another one will say shot once. Another one will say there wasn't a gun, it was a knife. And you, you, you can't really rely on memory. And actually in my life, I've often observed that's true. Um, and uh, so it was sort of a, making that application of that, that thing about subjectivity, I suppose, to, uh, to this story. Yeah, there you go. Just like you said. <laughs> yeah, I definitely took the ending to be a, like hugely about the idea of human annihilation. I mean, like the Natalie Portman character teaches the alien the one thing that humans do super well: kill ourselves, destroy, and then yeah. it just destroys itself. And like that. Also, that is Jennifer Jason Lee literally gift. says annihilation. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because in the book, the word and so in the book, the, the psychologist has the ability to hypnotize all the people, and she is hypnotizing them for nefarious reasons. And annihilation hmm. is the thing that she will say that would cause them all to kill themselves. So it's a literal self-destruct code in the book. Um, well, and it's funny because I would, so before knowing that, I would be like, that's a terrible title for a movie. It's up there with Edge of Tomorrow for like great movie, like bad title, like bad. Like just like, I'm like, what is this about? Like, I haven't, I, so, I, yeah, I would never reason. think it was the good or bad acid trip as mentioned in the comments. It could be either one uh, at the end of it, you know. Uh, great question. Like, I think this movie would be well suited to be named something else, yeah. but like based on like uh, the it took the earth from us or Expedition 12 or Area X or like you guys have yeah. any ideas? Area X is pretty good, but I, then I, mean, I think I, of X-Men. I, I liked I yeah. liked Annihilate. I, I mean, it, it's kind and of it is unfortunate too. that it's named the same thing as the book is, but like I, I did like Annihilate. I still think it's important. I mean, like, like mm -hmm. I mean, uh, like the look the guy's not like a internationally recognized name that i'm aware of right so what do you what do you get out of it like like i mean okay it's and then if you're not ever going to make the other two books then even there's even less reason to do it yeah like honestly manhunter is probably a better title than silence of the lambs or uh than uh, red dragon i think the critique is that um this book was incredibly well received and there were a lot of people who are huge fans of it so when the movie was pitched, they felt like they got sold something else. And you want to ask, like, did the executives want to yeah. call it Annihilation because the book did well instead of just buying on Garland, who is great and did give us a really good story set in this same world. And had a very critically acclaimed movie that was very, you know, that people like really responded to. It was coming mm -hmm. off of like a high, uh, like a high, uh, high vibe, <laughs> positive vibe uh, thing. Right. Yeah. I what do you guys think about the fact that um I sound only, like I'm on a high positive vibe. Sorry, I wasn't very articulate. <laughs> uh I feel like only somebody like Alex Garland could make the pitch to the author of a book like, hey, I'm gonna only read this once because he is like a well known author yeah. and screenwriter and writing kind of I mean, way before for like, you know, decades before he was known as a director. Now with like because he was just had done his first movie, Ex Machina, right? Like he's pitching it to right. this guy. Um I, I but like but only, he has the, he has the, like the, a, the the writing yeah. uh, curriculum but, uh, like twenty eight days later alone is like, like yeah, yeah. and Great. and I mean the beach <laughs> as like I, I feel like only another novelist really could make the pitch hey like I know this is your novel and it's important to you um, but I kind of had this idea that I could you know I I could read it once and then write something based on my memory of it and, yeah, and yeah. do it that way and yeah. I'm gonna need like you have to ask permission 
for that, right? Like you can't, uh, if you say you're going to adapt it, you have to adapt it. If you say that you're going to, you know, read it once and then try to create a dream on top of a dream kind of from memory, you have to make it clear that you're going to do that. Yeah, um, that's a very good point. Like he never signed a contract saying he was going to clear adapt this book. He was always very clear with Vandermeer that this was going to be his version of the story. So that's, that's touche. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he also understands like the, the difference between the mediums. I, I mean, you know, uh, hearing him talk mm -hmm. about going onto the set of the beach and learning like how being a screenwriter is a collaborative process and wanting to experience right. that, um, which is, which is why I, uh, you know, uh, in our conversations beforehand, I said that that was like such a, uh, you know, that that was one of those um, uh, moments, uh, you know, hinge points in, in, in his career of understanding like like him as an artist and his growth. And, uh, you know, also understanding that it's a visual medium and not, you know, you know, prose that, that, that you have to be able to take it in a very different direction whenever you're adapting it, because it's right. not going to be the same. You cannot adapt a book the same as a uh, uh, as a. Um, uh, as a film. What makes a good book doesn't necessarily make a good movie. I mean, look at Stephen King and his thoughts on Kubrick Shining, which is almost objectively a great film. But then, like, he tried to bite at the apple, and, like, other than Rebecca de Mornay, like, being arguably closer to the actual character, uh, <laughs> and, like, maybe a few scenes, like, it's not as good of, of, yeah. of a watching experience. Is yeah. it closer to the book? You bet. You bet it is. I mean, um, Stephen King is a great choice because he's been screwed over many times. I mean, look at sure. Lawnmower Man. I mean, he sued to have his name removed <laughs> yeah. from Lawnmower Man. It was that bad of an adaptation. They basically just kept the title. I mean, there's nothing else that, like, you know, there's not, there was nothing even about VR or any of that. Like, you know, like so you a, feel like they kept the title to get you to come and see the movie that wasn't what you were sold. Then they made a sequel off, which I forgot about. I was, I was, like, I was like, oh. I did want to ask you guys, in your opinion, what is the worst um, book that you've ever read and then seen as a movie? Ooh. Like worst, worst adaptation. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I asked, so, yeah. So I will, as you all know, because I talk about it all the time, I will not actively seek out anything I know is mid to bad. And the Dark Tower series is like one of my favorite dark book series of all time. So when I heard that like it wasn't just like a triumph, I was like, I'm not going to watch that. I will never watch that because it's too important to me. I didn't watch it either for the same reason. And uh, I never watched the, I love Lord of the Rings. I never watched the Hobbit movies. I heard those were mid. I just, I don't have it in me. Uh, um, as a, as honestly, a Andy watched it recently. Do you remember the, uh, not, not the His Dark Materials HBO streaming series, which is great, but Golden Compass? Yeah. With, uh, Nicole <laughs> I saw, Kidman? I saw, I saw Golden Compass as like a kid. Not I, great. I don't remember anything about it. Um, <laughs> I, as a, as a kid, as a kid, I really, really liked, uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. And like, those were like some of my favorite books as a kid. I really mm -hmm. liked the alliteration in it. I really liked, um, like how in depth it was, how every kind of book felt like a play and the movie that they did with Jim Carrey, uh, not, not great. They, they kind of, they tried to throw three of the books into one single movie and it, it lacked kind of, um, it lacked like the Victorian kind of uh, weirdness of those um, right. books. So, and they I made a that, TV show too that was on Netflix, yeah. I think, so, right? So the TV is that closer? Show, the TV show was fucking great. And they got the actual uh, oh, good. Daniel Handler, who's the guy that wrote the books. Who's also in Magnetic Fields. I, that, I, yes. I, I know so, that. And he lives so in he SF. Wrote, He's um, a, he, that dude's a friend of a friend. I, don't, I he, guess he needed to He wrote that uh, the so. teleplay. <laughs> he wrote a teleplay in each episode or each two episodes or one of his books. Nice. And, nice. Fucking solid. Uh, uh, one, one big. That's the only one I've seen. I never saw that. That Jim Carrey movie looked yeah. horrendous. So I didn't watch um, it. One, one big problem I think also is that 
I don't think he necessarily decided uh, like all these books to be connected the way that they are. The first mm. three of them, like mm -hmm. these connections about like having like a secret society, all the stuff that happened later in the books didn't happen in the first few books. Like, um, so the the TV series gave him a chance to like build that into the story uh, way earlier than he ever did in in the books, which is kind of really cool. Like he was able to from the start kind of hint all this stuff and like build it up as because he's a fantastic writer but i just don't think he expected that he was going to do like 12 books I, that were gonna i don't think he even thought he was gonna do more than the one yeah like he was just doing it for the hell of it and then it Which, turns the original out one popular, is great so. like don't get yeah. me wrong but um i i, I like that he got to like you don't really get that many chances to like do over something that crucial right. to your uh legacy or whatever and he got to do that and that and he got to write all of them himself loved the fucking series hated the movie Ooh. yeah Nice. And to answer the question, I have to go with the strain, which uh, uh, if oh, you the show, the show, the strain once they because uh... uh, because if you read the book, the, the book is freaking fantastic. The first half mm -hmm. of the book is like this medical drama. But not extravaganza over here. Am I right? And then <laughs> and then it, it turns into like this complete batshit insane vampire story where, where yeah. they're almost like zombies. But they have these these things coming out of their mouths that stretch out like five feet that that so like, you know, um. Uh, and so, so like it raises the, the stakes really well and it was really effectively used in the book and none of that's the TV show. The pilot is like the first half of the book, which should be a freaking medical drama. And that's only like 15 minutes. And then they like, you know, yeah. uh, go to very boring uh, vampire stuff that cut out all the cool things like like the, uh, you know, the, the, the professional wrestler with a limp running around with a sword decapitating everybody like where the I fuck mean, was that in the tv show that's, that's interesting because it's like the opposite of uh because guillermo del toro got to actually it, adapt. in the in the comments speaking of, of of yeah true blood that's 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 a great and another example of like taking everything that like made the original like interesting and just <clears throat> sucking the life out of it thank you it's interesting with the strain right like it's the opposite of uh the thing that i was saying with series of unfortunate events or whatever because uh guillermo del toro actually got to create his tv show of the strain right like he got the executive producer well yeah i mean his name was on it it doesn't mean that that uh executive uh, producers like, yeah 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 but, but what i'm saying is Gave like the money. he got to at least have some kind of creative input uh Did for he? the maybe i mean i don't know I, I actually don't know. I, I never bothered to look into it. They, they, I never. They I saw on I keep, it being Guillermo del Toro's The Strain pretty heavily. I, I keep and seeing I like the entire show. <laughs> I keep seeing the little like highlight thing on Hulu, and I'm like, hmm, nah. <laughs> Every you know, time I, see I, it, I like, mean, like, no. like uh, David Bradley is phenomenal in it. Like, like I, yeah. I will uh, shout out that just because I mean, he's, it's David Bradley, and uh, he, he's playing. Um, uh, you know, he's he's got such a great character. Uh, but it's one of the best characters of the book, uh, honestly. Well, look um, at Walking Dead. Walking Dead's another. This is another example of like, like. But mm -hmm. Walking Dead's crazy because it's like they nailed it, then they lost it, then they nailed it again, <laughs> then they lost it again, so on and so on. Like, and uh, you know, the whole Daryl character isn't even in the comics, mm -hmm. but they, it was like a pastiche of um, uh, I forget the, the 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 woman who was in the show was interminably annoying, but like is actually like the same narrative function. I do I do appreciate Carol. though that they they Carol, like uh, yeah. they did oh, the show must go on. They did the show must go on no, kind of no, with it no, where it's like every time uh Carol Carol Andrea. Walking Dead Andrea, comics. yeah, Andrea oh, who's fantastic yeah. in the comics. Yeah. And just 
fucking like, annoying. Yeah. Like written yeah. by the most misogynistic person <laughs> ever, apparently. Because it's the most annoying chick ever. Like and, and she's not, a good actress some, too. Like I, she's I mean, a great like, actress. You know, it's uh, Governor oh, Dick. Yeah. She was never the same. You know. What yeah. I mean? he's, <laughs> she's basically yeah exactly she's basically, well, and it's it's such a waste yeah. of a character yeah anyway but i, I also got this is the walking dead all the, show all of the all of the main characters would just quit and then they'd like kind of just write them out of the show and they'd be yeah. like well like, i guess rick's gone and like, that's your central character that's your literally your main character. <laughs> you're done having a show now stop yeah, yeah. well uh, they could they could have kept it going if they didn't kill carl like like because there's the whole theory that Carl's the one telling the story, which is why Rick's always the hero. Because, you know, yeah, he's remembering his dad. Who like, amongst like, us has not wanted to kill Carl themselves? Well, yeah. <laughs> Carl. But, but, Carl. I mean, Are you telling the story, like, Carl? Puberty and, and, like, Carl. Carl. Like, Carl. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's be a little fair to him uh, on that respect. Um, but but you're right. Do you, who doesn't want to kill Carl? Um, is that show still in the air? It can't possibly still yes, be in the air. No. Right? I, I think it just I, I think so. ended. Jesus Christ! They, four they, years too during late. the pandemic, they extended it even further, yeah, and they were like, and "They oh. got a spinoff series now of uh, Maggie and Negan." Let's just <sighs> let's just choke every nickel out of this franchise. Um, <sighs> I'll never watch any of it, any of it. Like when I checked out of it, I'm like, I'm done with all of this. For yeah, forever. that first season, honestly, the, the only me. thing worth watching. Yeah, the uh, well, that's uh, Darabont. It's Frank Darabont. And yeah, yeah. Go way off topic. Let's get back to Annihilation. So, so I, so I have a, I have a clip of um, Darabont's great though. <laughs> so we were talking about like the collaborative pro process of writing this, and uh, this is this is like an intro kind of clip that they did to uh, talk about the the VF VFX in this. Um, effects and, in this are killer. Production design and the effects are like. Like some go off king stuff, as far as I'm concerned. Like, so <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, visual effects. Like, Make some um, wild ass bullshit. There you go, done. Yeah, Here it is. There's, there's a, so there's a lot of uh, um, like they didn't necessarily write all of these different parts into the script. Uh, uh -huh, like uh -huh. uh, like what these characters, like what the bear would look like, or like you know um, all of the different kind of like flowers and stuff. They gave the visual effects people like a lot of leeway that way. Um, so I kind of see that's what you should do. Yeah. It's just like, 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 it's like what they say, like when you're writing like an action sequence, don't write out the action sequence. Let the, the people that like know how to like, uh, co uh, coordinate action sequences and choreograph that stuff to do it. Don't write it out. You don't need to, you can't do it as good as they're going to do it. Yeah. Visual effects. Same thing. Just tell them, make something cool, you know, which I assume is going to be over here. I make something cool, Coral. Make something cool, Coral. Me, the first draft of the screenplay, and the thing that first jumped to mind was that the range of work in the film was going to be something that we certainly hadn't had to tackle on Ex Machina. And also, because it's the story of a journey, you need to be able to pitch and pace the objects that we add or change throughout the film so that you get the sense of the build-up of strangeness across the, the whole film. And that, to me, seemed like it was going to be a, a pretty big challenge for us. When he first called, he said, you know, just like about five or six images, which kind of give us sort of an overview of what this thing might look like. And again, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds, sounds like, doesn't sound too hard. Then you start and, you, and it's... It's, it's a wormhole. The, the possibilities and 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 again, and what 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 the the material demands really is is is, is very challenging. You know that, that you need to walk the walk to get to the point that you need to get to to make this thing feel and seem real. Yo, that's you know, so terrifying. That concept art, the tone and texture, all of yes. that stuff is fascinating because it's exactly what I would have envisioned 
uh, you know, in, in researching the novel. We were looking at a lot of cell imagery. We were looking at a lot of tumor growths on creatures and on plants to see how the uh, radiation sickness, see how those can uh, uh, add mutations to, to creatures and to plants. And part of our notion was that how do like things get destroyed at a like microbiological <laughs> level, at a, a level of, of DNA, and that that is by nucleated substances. Where has that happened in the world or how has that happened in our lifetime? Fukushima and Chernobyl, when we started to look around at the effects, and most references are about the damaged buildings, um, but we found these plants that I think are called fascinated, um, and they have grown with the influence of damaged DNA. And you can even just like stick a cancer cell to a tree, for example, and suddenly it looks otherworldly and odd. And, you know, those very simple things can sometimes just at least, you know, be the, the springboard to push you in, in different directions. Then what happens is I collate the images that everyone has been putting together and I put them together into a PDF and that then gets disseminated to everybody and it becomes the tonal look of the film. Well, apart obviously of thinking about Jeff's book, which is, you'd have to say, the single biggest influence, the real influences, not the post-rationalized or even pre-rationalized influences, are, are sort of unknown to me. I think, um, but but uh, if I was going to hazard a guess, I'd probably say Alan Moore, um, mm. British comic book writer. Mm. I I suspect there's some Alan Moore in there. He's he's mentioned uh, in the in the past how the Alan Moore comics were a big influence on him. And Alan is is a yeah, very intellectual writer in, in the same way I think that, that Alex is. Swamp Thing. Uh yeah, very Gnostic, very, uh, for sure. And, and one thing I absolutely love about this is, uh, and, I, and I do get a little annoyed by uh, monochromatic filmmaking, but when it's used like how this film is, where everything's very green for the most part, but that when they add that shimmer, it just adds that otherworldliness to it. And everything that wasn't necessarily green, because remember that their uh, outfits were green, like, 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 you know, nature is very green. There, there's a lot of green on screen. It really, it really made it pop up because uh, from the, from the advertising, I just thought it was going to be like bisexual lighting uh, in the, in the, uh, on the swamps. <laughs> and uh, I, I very much appreciated the fact that it was not, um, you know, just, just, Oh, we're going to film it in a swamp with bisexual lighting. Can yeah. you describe well, what you mean when you say that? Oh, we can do better than describe it. We can show you. Bisexual lighting? Yeah, well, I guess it's oh, kind of like what Andy has going on. Purple and blue. Okay, I got, I got it's you. It's ubiquitous. Yeah, well, yeah. do we Do we actually, why do we not, we have to look it up every time. Why, why do we have to look yeah, it up every time? We haven't, we, we haven't referenced it, though, in a, in, in a minute. You <laughs> know right, what I mean? So, like, so if you look up bisexual lighting. <laughs> this guy yeah, is, is what I'm thinking of. This, this dude here. I love here. it. I assume it's a different. Oh, yeah, it's, this movie it's it's on Wikipedia, which is great. Yeah. No, 3D rendering of a skeleton. hundred percent know what you are talking about now. Yeah, but yeah, like the that. audience who's listening to us, screw you. I don't know. Google. Yeah, anyone listening on the podcast? Sorry, I'm. I'm well, everyone who's listening on the podcast has definitely heard the reference before. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Oh God. I, I like bet the skeletons on the, screen again. <laughs> one of the one of the uh, things, like a couple things away, looked like uh, it looked up. like Sam Cedar with bisexual lighting. One of the <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs>
Um, but no, I, I appreciate though that also in this, um, like they didn't just go with one uh, color palette for the entire thing. Like the, the room when when they finally get into like the lighthouse in the room, right? Like and it's overgrown. It, it's so um, that is monochromatic. That is because they have the uh, you know it's like this pale white, and it's the same kind of albino color that the alligator is. Yeah, well, um, it's it's another uh, like trick in storytelling. So, so you know you set uh, change scenes. So so like uh, a good filmmaker or a good comic book artist, uh, specifically colorist would know to shift uh you know these the the color palette uh so when you switch scenes so you know that you're in a different place well so it's also like, what happens you open you the door and suddenly ah! <laughs> 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 oh, he blew himself up with a phosphorus grenade and then he had a bisexual flag behind him yeah. and, and, and topographically they're like changing uh like kind of ecospheres so the colors would kind of shift yeah and it's also what happens when you refract i mean when you're looking at like yeah. refractions right you're looking at a yeah. prism the the colors mm-hmm. kind of um de-align a lot of times so you you yeah. see like the rainbow or something but what like you that, also you know, saw with like... the fingers in the cup which i thought was uh one of the most beautifully shot scenes and that was you know yes. great use of foreshadowing too yeah yeah mm-hmm. and very very subtle and you're sort of like what the heck? what's what's going on what is this and, <laughs> and there was definitely several scenes where they had a like the foreground very dark kind of black and white background pops of color which made me feel like stalker in the way that it kept shifting from color to black to color to black yeah Definitely. Yeah, and and that otherworldly white in Stalker, right? Like I, I feel mm-hmm. like uh, when they're in the final lighthouse, and it's that, uh, that exactly. Color. Yeah, it's that it's that exact same color palette. So this is this is going on uh, to the bear because the bear is like one of my favorite uh, parts of this movie for sure. It's so fucking Easily. terrifying. Yeah. And so this is what I'm talking. Yeah, because you first see the deer, right? And the deer are like, yeah. oh whoa, that's freaky, that's crazy looking, and then mm-hmm. and then like, and then you see the gator. And you're like, wow, that fucking sucks. That would suck to get attacked by that thing. <laughs> and then, then you see the bear. Well, the other so two things I like. The deer was, this is not very much venison, if you're going <laughs> to. Well, and I heard from uh, Kaylee of Haploid that she's going to get a tattoo of the of the bear in this. She, she likes this movie so much. So there you go. Yeah. Huh? take that the bear was one of the very early <laughs> well it's also like it's the evolution thing again right because it's the you know the deer like all right well the deer don't really fit into this but uh you know the reptile first it's the reptile yeah. coming out of them and then it's you know the the million uh bear in the process of evolution right like cause yeah it's like it's merged in- with a human and then it's and then you know when she's actually in the lighthouse it's just various forms of humans that have uh merged into other things yeah well, it's, it's like Oh, I just guess he was going through the different types of uh, stuff in the phylum and genomes of the yeah of the animal kingdom. Go ahead. Yeah, continue. I was going to say that the deer is a duplication, so the one behind it is doing exactly the same thing as the one in front of it. So, like, there are different. It, the the area X here doesn't just assimilate; it like duplicates, it creates, it merges. It's Chekhov's deer too, because if you think about it, the twinning at the end, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's yeah. it's all about it's all about hope and change. You know what I mean? Inside of that things that we knew had to be solved we looked at i mean it was it was it wasn't a good day at the office but looking at diseased animals you know the way that the skin can be malnourished and blistered and those were the kind of things that that alex responded to um, because it just gave it a sick look oh fuck job the the preacher looks sick the bear was one of the first things that we started doing this concept art's great we had some (laughs) 
very strange ideas we tried we sometimes you know we had versions where it was uh, sort of more like a wild oh, boar rather than being a bear yeah. uh, and and then uh, one of the concept artists peter came up with the idea of um, sort of smooshing skulls together and he just in sort of cg just literally kind of mashed some skulls together and then just started painting on top of that and that that immediately when i saw it went yes that's a great idea uh, and showed that to alex and he went yeah i really like that and then it was a question of okay what then do we want to do to the rest of this bear? So not only was it sort of more, this bear was sort of emaciated and skinny and losing its hair, but it started to have elements of other things that are in this world, maybe other people that have been attacked by it or eaten by it or such. So I think having those kind of elements coming through, it also has sort of human teeth on the inside of its bear teeth. So all these little other mutations that are sort of gradually fusing into things we meet along the way. <laughs> Perfect example. First of all, that's freaky as hell. All of that's great album art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jock. If, you've, if you're not familiar with Jock, he is a uh, he does comic book uh, covers for DC. Uh, his Green Arrow stuff is phenomenal. Like, like you're just like I actually kind of want to read this Green Arrow comic and uh, right, right. Based on the based on the cover. Huh. Yeah, just based on the cover because his. Uh, but yeah, look up his stuff. Um, it, it is it's absolutely beautiful. I had no clue he worked on this film. I did not uh, stick around for the ending credits. That's exciting. I, I Too feel busy like rushing on to the next movie, I guess. I, I feel <laughs> like there's something almost uh, political or like revolutionary about the references to change and how we perceive change, uh, you know, inside of the shimmer as destruction. And so like that yeah. final line when she's talking about it, she's like, I don't think that they really wanted anything, right? Like it's change happening uh, as change does, as, you know, mutation kind of does. Um, like in a, in a like definitely like revolutionary aesthetic sense uh happening and like the alien itself doesn't have any you know it's not uh it doesn't want anything right like it's not coming down for a specific purpose it doesn't have an agenda it's just um like mutating and changing whatever it touches i don't i just felt like i felt cued into some kind of uh almost like political or revolutionary statement there about the mm -hmm. way that we kind of perceive these forces not not in like a in like our politics kind of sense but like in a very macro sense um with human perception well because well okay so then at least from the movie's perspective i can't uh, speak to the books as we've established but like again it, it, it's heavily implied that this is going to be some like malevolent presence some sort of uh you know lo low-key invasion um on a different sort of scale as if there's some sort of intent behind it but i think the idea of it just being like basically happenstance is almost more terrifying right yeah and, and that's well, and that's a that's a concept that in the era of everything has intent and history and self-awareness and blah, blah, blah. That's almost the most horrifying thing at all. Just like actual chaos theory of it. And she's an oncologist. So they talk about the, you know, cancer a little bit in the beginning. So if you think of cancer as, a, as an entity that changes what it interacts with, it's not technically malevolent. It's not, it's not malice. It's just what it does. It's not talking trash actively. It's, just, <laughs> like, it's, it's killing you. Yeah. It's just well, that's just about, it's being the organism that it is. They talk about cancer a lot in this because, um, mm -hmm. like each time you watch it, like you pick up on a different thing because, uh, like, um, the the woman who's Alexander Skarsgård's, uh, her like his girlfriend or whatever, the one lady that's in the canoe with her. I forget her name. Um, 
she's talking about how her daughter died of leukemia. Yeah, just identify her by her by her uh, the man in her life. Yeah, because I'm uh, I'm, I'm misogynistic. Anyway, um, exactly. Where do you see men? <laughs> um, no, but so yeah, Cass. So she's talking about how her daughter died of leukemia and it changed her, right? Like she's talking about how ah uh, female no cast. Longer... I won't learn a single name. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> ma'am, ma'am. What's your husband's name? I, that's how I'm gonna identify all of your characters. Yeah, story. Mrs. Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay okay make your point go ahead um no but like so she's saying that her daughter died of leukemia and she's no longer the person that she once was and then uh later on in the movie we find out ventress has cancer and that's why she's you know she's been around the shimmer too long or whatever and that's right. why she's so down to just go right towards it and find out what it is and um you know whether she can destroy it or whether she can learn about it or whatever it is because she has nothing left to lose she's perfectly willing to change so like cancer gets referenced over and over and over again uh, in all of these different scenes and it's not always like this i like that this movie doesn't necessarily beat you over the head with that fact like uh it, it's very left up to interpretation because the the same way you could kind of take suicide or something like that as a thing that's also referenced a bunch of times as another form of destruction and if you're somebody that's you know dealt with people i think um around you having cancer that's what you're probably going to take out of the the point of the movie or like you know what one form of destruction that they're talking about but if you're someone that's had to deal with like suicide right like that's another form you could zero in on any of these factors and that could speak to you and then you could decide that that's what the movie is about or that's what the shimmer is referencing which you know it, it's all of these things but like your own experience i think affects uh how you interpret the movie more than anything else on purpose like they did it on purpose <laughs> Tuva Novotny, by the way, is, is is her name, and she speaks Swedish, Czech, Danish, and Norwegian on a native level. Wow, I I, I feel uh, stupid for thinking that she was Irish at first. <laughs> oh, she's I mean, gosh, she's her accent was like vaguely like that was the first thing. <laughs> yeah, well, she seems she seems very Swedish to me, but like I you know whatever it's just like that indistinct kind of like uh, Nordic kind of way, you know whatever. Also, she's acting. The Shimmer um, got KT. Oh yeah! Wow, <laughs> man, it's just who's gonna be next, right? And Andy's gonna tie us up. <laughs> well, yeah, because I know your secret, right? Exactly. And you're gonna start talking. I'm, about I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it to the movie because, like, what what do I really have to come back for? You know, like <laughs> KT heard your blatant misogyny and just bailed. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, we, uh, we don't we don't have your audio, KT. Sorry. I think you might be on hardware mute. Um, and I did invoke men. I I, um, I don't love men. I mean, I love men, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> the movie men, I thought was only okay. Gay. No. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think it's th th there's some great mood to it, and it ultimately kind of fails to do. It was a disappointment for me. I I, I didn't I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate a, it. I'm just, I'm just not a big Charlie Sheen fan. No, that's two and a half men. Different. Different number of men. Yeah, and and it's and I was so hyped up because I I loved Ex Machina. I, I love uh, this movie. I think it's cool. I think Devs is great. Like I was like, oh fuck yeah, New Al Scarland is gonna be awesome. It's even got um, uh, I, I like what's her face the lead. I can't remember her name right now, but she was in I'm Think of Any Things as well. She's awesome. Um, and it just uh, Jesse Buckley, I think, is is, is is her name, right? Is that is that right? Uh, I just didn't. I didn't think men was men didn't do what I wanted it to do. They rarely do. 
Um, he has, he has, he has, he has, he has, uh, Sonoya Mizuno, uh, in every single one of his projects. Damn. Like she was, Hmm. I mean, yeah. Like the, she was Kyoko and, uh, X, X Machina. Well, that I knew. Yeah. Yeah. In this, she's the humanoid. Oh yeah. Okay. She's, well, she's, um, I just mentioned devs. She's in devs also. Yeah. So she's, I think, I think he has her in every, um, X Machina was the first movie she was ever in. So I guess oh, nice. it's kind of like his his muse that he wants to work with in every project now that he directs. But uh, by the way, you know who else is in devs, and it's he's like totally plays against cast Nick Offerman, and he's really good, but like not playing yeah. like what Nick Offerman is known as. Basically, he has like the one role he's always cast in now. Well, which I think that might be the first thing I actually saw Nick Offerman in. Yeah. And so, like, uh, oh really? I'm just like, <laughs> wow. Why okay. is everybody? I, he's a good actor. What, what's up with this? Yeah, right. He's got range. Why is everyone stereotyping this dude? Well, it's funny. Like, he doesn't seem. I mean, he seems a lot like the character that he plays. But like, he's kind of like a like a resistance lib kind of guy. And I feel like because of Parks and Re- Recreation, he's always cast as like libertarian guy. And then you like read his Twitter feed, and it's nothing like that at all. He's like Trump's going to jail, and it's like. That's, I didn't expect that tweet from you. Like, <laughs> well, him and uh, him and his wife, yeah, both are like known like progressive activists and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but, but it's it's just wild that like his yeah his character in uh, Force and Devs is just like so against anything I've ever seen him play, and he's so good at it. Like he's just yeah. so good. Well, his I character mean, in uh, in Fargo is really funny when he's the alcoholic lawyer. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Forgot about that. That's uh, that's like I'm not shaking hands with Ronald Reagan. He was in a movie with a monkey, and then he runs up and he's like, "Mr. President, I loved you in that movie." <laughs> were you, so, were you, so were you gonna is, say uh, something, Andy, before we move on to? No, this? no, I was just gonna, uh, you know, mention also like Oscar Isaac was another uh, reused thing for, um, at least for uh, Alex Garland's first two films. Yeah. Oh, because he was in uh, Axe Mash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, had like the, the, uh, there's a great Twitter Big facial account. hair in that one, but yeah. <laughs> great Twitter account where they, they actually take his dance scene and put it to different songs. And apparently that that <laughs> uh, that uh those dance moves work whatever song you put it with. It. It's absolutely incredible. It's like a universal dance scene. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like pure after party material. It's really, it's really interesting. Uh, that... I appreciate that you can recognize that. <laughs> it's really interesting that the the, the Kyoko actress, um, she's in this for a scene, like with her, like her actual face or whatever. Um, she's in it for like the. She asks the question at the beginning in in class or whatever that Natalie yeah. Portman responds to. But then, like, it's it's cool that she was willing to do the humanoid. Like, this this is a clip about the humanoid stuff. But um, it, it's cool that she was willing to be like the. Uh, person in the suit right that's doing like the because it's, it's like interpretive dance almost um yeah yeah, like yeah. Their, their fight it's, scene more than anything it's a wild visual yeah it's crazy we're backtracking to that i think there's there's great scale and detail of out of control growth and um you know mutant change when you're moving stay yeah yeah try to remember roughly what jennifer did you could watch it. I am Sonoya Mizuno and I am playing the humanoid. I also have a small part as Katie, one of uh, Lena's students at the beginning of the film. So I met Alex on Ex Machina and he had this idea for what would usually be a typical action scene to make it something a bit more interesting and different and pushing the boundaries. And because I have a background in dance, 
we spoke a lot about it and how we could make a scene which was like a dance but not actually a dance and that's how this whole kind of idea evolved. Bobby, who was the choreographer for the end sequence, and Sonoya, who plays the humanoid, we did a whole fight choreography that was coming from so almost a dance to have sort of a different flavor than, than a usual fight. When the humanoid is going to be fully formed, it will be a kind of featureless, quite androgynous shaped person. So um, this is all going to become that in VFX, who eventually sets on fire. So that's why I get changed into a very cool and expensive LED suit later. It's been really great to get to work with Sonora. She's obviously a professional ballet dancer. So she has this real ability to a really great gift for movement and so I really give her any credit for the symmetry of it because I feel like I'm sort of doing what I would do and then she's kind of mirroring it. The basic idea was to have an alien that was truly alien, that was not like us in any way. It needed to have a kind of otherness and that does then present you with a problem. If the alien is affecting everything else and everything else needs to have an otherness. And the closer you get to the alien, the more other things get. And then when you meet it, it needs to deliver on the promise of being very other. It's a problem. It's difficult. If the alien wants to eat you, it's easier. I mean, look, I'm not being disparaging about a, one of my favorite movies of all time, actually, is Alien, which is about an alien that wants to eat people. But, um, uh, but at least you have something to go on, which is it's a killing machine. It's dangerous. It's fast. Yeah, it needs to have claws or teeth or something. If it wants to teach you about its galactic federation and improve your culture, you know, then it's, it's intelligent and smart and it's motivated. It's motivated by the same kind of things that motivate us. This thing is not motivated by any of the things that motivate us. It may not actually be motivated by anything. It might be like a spore or uh, a mushroom or a cancer or you know, and have no real sentient qualities at all, just echoing qualities. Who knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta say, my favorite thing is that the almost Doug Jones-like quality to her uh, movements. Um, the, the, the senator? <laughs> no, the, the, the actor, you know, the guy from uh, all the Del Toro films? Oh, okay. Um, that makes know, he's sense. also on, on uh, uh, Star Trek uh, Discovery. Yeah. Um, but but uh, for he years, was he was guy. just... Yeah, yeah, that guy. He, he, always, he always has like a very extra in his movement and uh, his performances. He was and, also Mac the Knife in the Burger King commercials. Yes. Was I, he really? I like that, yes. I like that I knew exactly what you guys were talking about as soon as you went like this. Like that was the... Yeah. For me, and I was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. No, no. You could have just done that. I would have known what you're talking about. Yeah, he, he also... Uh, circus for like level of body actors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he also was Silver Surfer in the... Um, uh, the, the Rise of the Silver Surfer movie, if you... Th that only Andy saw, yeah. <laughs> sure, KT, see that? I have. <laughs> She's been trying to forget it. Uh, um, Doug Jones was great. You know, <laughs> it's about the best I, you know, film. The concept of Silver Surfer itself is really, like, crucial, and I feel like a lot of other films, you'll, you'll find that again. 
I think the oblique intent I mentioned in the in the clip is is key to like why this movie works and why it's deeply unsettling is because yeah. like you don't know what it there may not be even be a reason which is like again as I mentioned earlier the almost most terrifying answer out of all of them and when I keep referencing Jurassic Park half it's for the like the character uh, design like Phil Tippett style right you know yeah. where, it's, mm -hmm. where it's like it's like oh wow that's that's you're not gonna forget that anytime soon and you see that in your nightmares uh, but the <laughs> other half is just like yeah just just this the again it, it's it's I, I agree with Garth. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I agree with Garland that it's like, you can understand if something just straight up wants to kill you. But if it's like, oh, you're like just doing what I do? Like, do you do a funky dance? Like, what? I mean, what what, what do you do in that situation? <laughs> Start doing so, the mashed potato? You know what yeah. I mean? It's so much more self centered, too, to be like, everything is viewed from my point. Like, you must be here to kill me. Like, what if yeah. the right. terrestrial is just an explorer and their, their existence is not. You know, like good for humans it, it's hard for us to exist in the same time like isn't that right. kind of what we do when we ter terraform we kill yeah, but it's all okay these when we do it animals <laughs> but like what if area x is a place that you can go and experience what it's like to be you know impoached upon by humans right. as a human yeah yeah in, that's in a an environment point. that's not good for you because i mean the flaw the forum does vegas? very well everything grows well there well, so. and, and talking the about vegas <laughs> <laughs> but the flora is not going to understand or necessarily even have the lexicon to understand what human culture is and like what the, this mm -hmm. planet is and yeah no that's a great point like like look at how we'll just charitably say inelegant all of our uh, uh adventuring and um you know, colonizing in a lot of cases can be including space exploration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like not it's... not just not just culture, like human physiology, right? Like the human genetic right. code. Like it, it might it might not have any awareness that it isn't good for humans, right? Like it might not. Well, how uh, would it know? Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, I, I, which I, is I, which is something that you, you probably have to be like worried about going to um, like what if we did start doing sp space exploration where it's us as human beings uh, being fully vulnerable and going into these worlds like radiation fucks you up. I, I can't well, imagine I, like what other planets could possibly have that you know of, of a similar form of uh, space something that, germs. Impossible yeah. horrors. We can't comprehend. But like, look at it from its perspective, right? One minute it's sitting there and like learning mime, and the other minute it's got a phosphorus grenade. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> surprise. And that, and that in of itself is very Lovecraftian. This idea that we're approaching a horror or a concept that is so difficult for us to understand that our yeah. mind would melt instead of understand it, which is right. kind of like going back to Interstellar. Can you imagine if you like went to the fourth dimension and you, you just had a total like you're looking at a biblical alien breakdown like oh no we're trying to save humanity and we keep smushing their tiny brains <laughs> i mean Whoops. but but even even like even not trying to save human like even just you know it just is here right like the the beginning of it i mean the 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 presuming that it came on like a meteor or something and mm -hmm. the meteor hits the fucking lighthouse and then after that the thing is just in the lighthouse right like it's a, it's also its base camp right that's yeah. a, that's where it's it's lamping it's lamping at the uh well, like, crystal plant that, lighthouse mojo jojo that that assumption i think is kind of like maybe it just doesn't want anything maybe it crash landed and now it's kind of just kind of fucked up and like trying to figure out where it is or maybe you know like spores when, when a plant gives off spores like the plant doesn't choose where those spores are going to go. They just kind of go like forever. <clears throat> just before we, uh, uh, you know, came on, I was watching a thing about the evolution of the mosquito. 
uh, which apparently is uh, inadvertently man-made. Um, uh, there, there are basically. Of we did it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but it's all. Um, they're they're all, not mosquitoes. They're the, they're uh, drones. <laughs> they're they're drones. That... <laughs> the, the change of the Earth's uh, rotation uh, created the desert in Africa, and because of that, people started saving water in jugs. And that became a new ha uh, habitat for the mosquitoes. Oh, wow. And because uh, of uh, that, they became self-selecting to their prey, which was mankind. Because mos mosquitoes were not natural to uh, North America until the uh, tra uh, the slave trade. So, like, uh, yeah. We are horrible. <laughs> exactly. And, this, and, and yes, this, as in cold lamp and flavor flame. That's correct. <laughs> I, this, I, this I do like, though, that the slave trade... just like the mosquitoes. Like, like but, this is the... the you know, we're 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 experiencing like the perspective of of this, you know, creature coming from someplace else that that uh, is trying to to uh, fit into this new environment. Uh, whether whether we brought it there or not, we don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe it's uh you know happened from Barb and Star goes to Vista Del Mar. They kept shimmering and looking, my God, there it is. I would have known that I tweeted out that joke first. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show. <laughs> it's our shimmer. Um, no, but I, I do like the idea that like so many people have died from malaria. So many people have died from like mosquito-borne diseases. That like it's the slave trade that uh, accidentally let this like force into yeah. the world that's like killed. I mean, you know, millions of fucking humans by now and still is. Like, right, right. We're, we're and we'll continue to do so. For, for yeah. yeah, and you include West Nile and all the other kind yeah. of things that get yeah. Um, so do you guys want to watch this gator clip? Yeah. I, I oh, can, can I can I tell you can I tell you that well, some of my favorite creatures in the entire animal kingdom are of the uh the Camian branch. So alligators, crocodiles, gators, yeah. camions. Love them. And they've, I, been, they've been un I mean they're they're the creature more than anything, right? That's been untouched. I mean almost yeah. exactly the same since you know, like for like millennia. When which I is was astounding. It's, it's them and it's those bony fish. Uh like yeah. the um yeah. I the, do not like those. Have... Those can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like, like the gar. But I mean, the gar are very. I mean, the gar are very alligator. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. crocodile like, right? Like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's those are the kinds of creatures that survive through the millennia. Well, if you, I mean, yeah, if you actually look at a gavio, those are pretty freak. Those, those could be right out of this movie, frankly, with those like long probuses. Like, yeah. I mean, most of your aquatic situation is going to be upsetting. Yeah, it's deeply freaky. True. Especially when I was like four, I had a uh, imaginary pen pal called Uncle Alligator. So, like, I have a deep love. <laughs> was it an actual alligator? I wasn't even actual an letters. An actual My parents person. would give me junk mail and be like, "Hey, look, Uncle Alligator wrote you a letter." And... So your parents are just fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Un <laughs> Uncle Alligator wants his money from Wells Fargo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yo, I heard Uncle Alligator wants you to buy this liquor for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Alligator needs to put this money in your account uh, yes. because it's uh, trapped in the uh, swamp banks exactly. and he needs to get it out because they're drying up. Two, two, to, two to five days for, for Uncle Alligator uh, put a bunch of mortgages in your name and now that the housing market is crashed. If anybody calls, you spent last night with Uncle Alligator. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Alright, there we go. We do a fun one. Anything interesting in there? No, it's been long abandoned, maybe even before. You know, what's funny is when I got the part, Alex made a stop in New York to talk to me, especially about the alligator attack, because I think he was a little afraid that I maybe, you know, that any actress might not be up for the, the challenge. And of course, we have an incredible stunt team. 
but you know so much of of the suspense of that exists on on the on your face really so it, so it was a bonus that i was up for the challenge He came to New York basically to explain to me what a tough day it was going to be. And I thought, are you, are you making sure that I'm going to be okay so that you really decide, like, can I make the movie? I'm going to be fine, I promise you. Tessa was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. A, a really, really uncomfortable scene. Get her. And again, she didn't complain all day. Not, I didn't hear a peep out of her. She was absolutely brilliant we rehearsed that so we built a tank for her to rehearse in so that you know but it was warm water and it was clean and but you know she got the idea of and we rehearsed the action with her all the the drags under the breath holding being ragdolled around by the alligator then when we came to the day the you know the water was much colder it was murky it was dark and she was in it all day um and again phenomenal stamina and phenomenal performance and just so you know wanted to get do it all and to get it all right you know she's an itty bitty person but <laughs> with a lot of water and a big old backpack it was pretty it was pretty heavy which was very cool you know and that was really cool to see and she was a super champ because it was not easy and it was cold outside and it's wet and from like inside the hut to out of the hut to in between takes to setting up different takes it you know it's extremely demanding and to see her do it without complaining is pretty awesome. You're good, you're good. Okay. Alex has a very close relationship with Andrew, our visual effects supervisor. So um, he's very confident in visual effects, but he also appreciates the need for physical effects when it interacts with our actors, when it interacts, say like here, we're interacting with water a lot, with the alligator. And it's very important for for visual effects to have something to work with, to have the actual physical interaction with the water movement, the way the water hits the ground, the way the water hits the actresses. <laughs> so we made various elements to help achieve that. One of them being a full-size, uh, realistic-looking alligator. Another one was like a hero head um, of the same alligator, so they could physically open the jaw and have a look inside and examine it, and it's all kind of got the same weight and the teeth are kind of sharp and as realistic as we could make it, essentially. And there was a couple more elements for VFX reference. We had sort of um, a man in a suit sort of version and then a sort of foam sort of standing version. And we also provided some other sort of like um, silicon versions for interaction with the water, so the alligator has to sort of come out of the doorway and slip into the lake and they needed obviously the displacement of the water. What that gave us was a good natural splash from something that was the appropriate size. It also gave us a lot of things that again would be very difficult to add after the fact like the ripples that then go away and you then if you look in the background of the shot when the ripples hit the the edge of the pond you start seeing the grass moving over there. All of that we got in camera. Then we paint out the buck and we replace it with the CG gator. Good use of uh, practical effects and CGI together there. That's a devastatingly yeah. effective scene. 
for sure. Like that whole scene is like, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, <laughs> that, that, that. I feel like I feel like you don't really think about the fact that this movie is supposed to be in Florida like that much at first, and then that kind of just jars you into oh, it. Yeah, too, right? alligators. Like, yeah, Which like, are in the news all the time in Florida. If you like turn on the news, yeah. and it's like every third news item is like, yeah, a man throws alligator into the drive-through window. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a liquor store. There's alligators involved with every news story. They're just all yeah. over the place. But all of the practical, all of the effects in this movie, even if they were partially CGI, were also partially there. And I think that that really a gives the actors something to go off of. So you get really good performances. Like they were able to get Tessa's performance because so much of that was actually interactive with her versus like, I would kind of put it in later. Um, I think it was so interesting to me was to realize that the flower people were people in suits with the kind of like prosthetic feet. And then they kind of painted the CGI on top of them. So there was something there to respond to. That works. I think that works really well. And you make a great point uh, uh, about having something to react to. Because, like, you know, when, when it happens, and Tessa Thompson's, like, literally mid-sentence, and it's grabbed inside. And at that point in the movie, first time through, you're like, you have no idea what's going on. But that's, like, the first time anything appreciable, like, oh, no, stuff is definitely not okay here happens. Mm-hmm. And it's that, and it's so abrupt, and the whole, like, going into the water thing after to, like, get around. You're like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Like, it, it builds stakes almost immediately. And if it was just, like... I don't know, man. You, you watch these like these newer horror movies that are just CGI'd up the wazoo that don't even bother with anything practical. I just it just it just takes me out of it immediately. It all, it all looks like a video game, and I mean that's an insult. Yeah. I think you can look at Lake Placid as a really good example of a not great alligator in an alligator film. Mm. What um, a fun Uncle film. Alligator would not approve. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, Uncle Alligator wrote me nasty letters about uh <laughs> Strongly worded letter to the editor about that. Yeah. I, uh, I I also appreciate that, like the albino alligators are like a real thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they are in like zoos and stuff. I mean, and I mean they get more news than they should uh, based on how rare they are because of like the fact that they're in zoos. Like, more than they, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but um, I I do I do really appreciate the fact that uh, in there's the- something kind of un- unnerving about an albino anything. Yeah. Too. Right. Yeah. Like it's something that's sort of like, oh, like it catches your attention. And if it's something that's that deeply huge yeah. and carnivorous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and there's a, kind of like a association with albino and maybe it's just for me, albino animals and the government uh, in that like in upstate New York, there's that uh, that base that used to be uh, held for uh, res- ammunition reserves. And because they had fenced it off and there were albino deer in there, the albino deer kept having children with itself and there's like a whole herd of albino deer inside this like ex-military base and the rumor is oh the ammunition made them albino but it was kind of the you know ability it's to only be it's, 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 i was just going to say the royal family of uh, albino <laughs> yeah deer. and people in florida are trying to make it so that they have to leave ever yeah. since ever since they started doing the 5g uh these these deer have all been coming out albino so, so who would be the Meghan Merkel of the uh, of the albino deer? Of the albino deer, I guess Uncle <laughs> Uncle Alligator. Would, <laughs> would the yeah. Meghan Markle of the albino deer world just be a regular deer? Like, <laughs> it's a regular deer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, like, oh, no, they're gonna dilute Touché. the gene pool. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> with your with your dominant genes. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah, but like, uh, but I, I think like if you see the again like the yeah. water displacement, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you get the same stakes of like, holy crap, holy crap, if it just looks like, again, like, again, just to keep bagging on video games, that, that that video game look of like, and now it's coming towards you. Press X, press X. Okay, mm-hmm. I will. And from a very like <laughs> practical point, you could take the money you don't spend 
and the time you don't spend putting in ripples and and, and put it much better places than that yeah. you know it's it's a much better idea and uh, do we have any like clips of the bear guy or the person inside the bear suit because that's um, another scene where you really have to react to what is near you yeah i didn't i didn't grab a clip but i can go into the youtube video and then uh turn the youtube video on and then we could no, no worries but it's it's a it's a really interesting suit that has like a is guy it one person that's it. Like, yeah this one person that's, that's kind of in. like crawling around near you um making yeah. that horrific fucking sound it's just you know i think the performances in this film really make what makes you feel so uncomfortable like it's really high stakes you're really right there with them you're just as upset as they are the sound design too mm-hmm. like there's there's some God tier sound design. Oh, and that's and we we started talking about some Uncle Alligator style thing earlier. But like uh, I, I would say, in uh, the one of the things I love about this is that like with the production design and the and the effects, like they just like make something cool, right? They weren't trying to like <laughs> it should look like this, it should be like that, whatever. And they just let their imagination run wild. Came up with some incredible like you know um, uh, guide artwork that like was almost as unsettling as the real deal and. That's what you should do. Like, what? Why is that so hard? Like, everyone is so obsessed with being an auteur. And it's funny because, like, everyone talks about Garland being an auteur, too, right? Like, but mm-hmm. it's, like, it's what you actually should do. It's let professionals be professional. Don't micromanage the art. Don't micromanage the music. Don't micromanage the sound design. If you have a, I mean, you know what you can do micromanage sound design? You know what I'm going to say, right? Yeah? Hans Zimmer. On Zimmer, thank you. Yeah. <sighs> From the last five days shooting, we just all, be, all we were doing is shooting about. It's like a there's very little dialogue. We spent five days in a, on a very big action sequence with stunts. Gina Ooh. is amazing. Not only did she want to do all of her own stunts, but she did. And some people say she really did. I mean, she is not only she beautiful and feminine, but she's strong. She's a really, you know, tough cookie. So I'm a bit like an adrenaline junkie. I love to do my own stunts. I'm a big, big fan of that, which sometimes they're not always the biggest fan because they obviously want to protect us and make sure that we're okay. Luckily for me, I die at the way end of this movie, so I'm able to do my stunts because should something happen, I'm done anyway. But um, I have really cool stunts that I get to do. And so far, I've banged up myself pretty bad. but happily, and, and that was my choice, uh, to to live in this in this awesome world that he's created, and to uh, get the opportunity to do stuff outside of my comfort zone. She did proper big stunts. She got she got picked up and slammed Action. hard by a guy the size of a bear into a wall and then no thrown from the wall really hard down to the ground and they weren't yeah. messing about they actually did it when she's getting chucked around she's actually getting chucked around i mean they were not holding back at all which makes our lives so much easier because when we're adding this sort of huge creature you're not feeling that we have to animate it so it looks like it's molly coddling her a bit i mean you know we can animate it so it's really slinging her around because jack was really chucking her around so again, you know, that sort of that practical, on-set, tangible impact is 
helps us and it helps the, the finished film so much. Actually, don't pull me that hard yet. No, I mean, pull me it hard eventually, but let me hang on a little bit yeah, so, so that exactly. I can do a little bit of it. So I did have to, you know, play a mum a little bit and go, right, because I don't need my pads on. I'm like, yeah, you're going to put your pads on, you know, <laughs> and just and keep an eye on her because, you know, when the adrenaline's going and she also has the emotion of the character and all of that to deal with, all the acting side to deal with, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, you can think, oh, actually, I really am really sore and stuff. So uh, that's part of my job is making sure that, you know, she can do that whole, all the acting and the emotional without having to worry about the physical side. So I was, yeah, making sure you've got your pads on, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. And then the next morning came in and everyone was asking her how sore she must be. And she said, no, she didn't feel anything at all. And it was we had to she had to pretend that she had some ache somewhere to make the rest of us feel sort of slightly less inadequate. So so first of all, you can really like feel that thump. Like that initial yeah. thump. Mm -hmm. when, it's, a, it's like, oh whoa, like like it's one of the things that makes that like such a just again another just that guy, effective scene that guy is proper jack too <laughs> and that's a that's a wall that's not a padded anything that's no she's going straight into the wall and, and uh, i just wanted to shout out uh, joe mclaren who who does uh you know the woman who was uh doing the sun supervision uh she worked on doctor who uh before no this. kidding that's awesome <laughs> yeah she she uh for quite a few years um she, she's uh off doing other things but she's done a ton of stuff from titanic to uh um uh to, to devs which I, I don't remember too many stunts there but apparently she was involved with that one too there's a couple uh gina rodriguez by the way uh only other thing i've seen her in is uh kajillionaire which could not be more different than this movie <laughs> which but i love kajillionaire it's great but like not a lot of stunts in that one also she may be happy doing stunts now i think she's going to be 40 next year so it's like i got some i got some bad news you got to like work five times as hard for half the results so i maybe. mean look at tom cruise he's what, 75? No. Uh... It's 102. <laughs> At some point, she's just going to be taking voice acting jobs. She's going to be like, ah, I can't go on set anymore. Like, I mean, like. I can't go on set because I, I just volunteer for too many stunts. Like, Yeah, it, it, she seems to like doing it. But I mean, but it's just wild that. Yeah, I've only, I mean, I guess she, I'm sure she's been in other things, but I've only ever seen her in Kajillion, which, which was fantastic and frankly, like, not seen by as many people as it should have been but like yeah i never thought of her as an, an action lady you know but yeah she's uh she's part of the um wikipedia page puerto ricans in chicago i didn't know that they just have a list of <laughs> puerto ricans in chicago but apparently they do i don't like it when they have a list of minorities that makes me uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> anytime people start making lists it's not usually Ooh. a good sign yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i i think that well and i guess have we haven't really talked about the fact that as much as it's very much like yeah it's not explicitly an action movie but there's a lot of action in this movie and it is you know with the, with, with the rare some rare exceptions including our oscar isaac largely female cast yeah and and, you, and it's not but it's also not like trying to do that right hey like, everybody girl power yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not doing that <laughs> they, shit. they just they just happen to be like the 12th expedition or whatever that yeah. you know it's at this point it's it's all the women that have been around the base that are like all right well we're gonna send in a team of scientists this time the last i like that the last few of them um because we talked about this i feel like with like day of the dead and stuff right like 
there's always like the scientific community and the military community are like yeah. uh they're interconnected but they're not quite they don't vibe in the same way right like they're not overlap, always gonna see like, eye to eye to put it bluntly yeah <laughs> yeah so i like that this time um they make it clear that like that the dudes they sent in that all fucking killed each other uh, yeah. Now that they know that, besides, you know, Oscar Isaac's clone or whatever, like, they're all military. And they're like, all right, well, now we're going to send in a team of uh, women to, like, study the the shimmer that maybe aren't going to do that because they're scientists. And one of them is, like, a paramedic. And one of them is, like, a, you know, a, a geomorphologist or something. And one of them is, uh, yeah. But in the book, it takes 12, of the, 12 expeditions or something before they do that, right? I mean, I assume, uh, I assume that it's taken a few in the movie, too, right? Like, yeah, it feels like it's the same number of exp- – I mean, it is, spoiler alert. In the book, they reveal that the number of expeditions is a lie, and it's been almost like hundreds of years that they've been doing this, and they're they're feeding mm-hmm. the Area X people. I mean, I, I don't want to cut I don't want to cut Forrest off. If no, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, they sent animals in, in the book too. They they sent like pets in, into the Shimmer too, and like not that i remember i mean there are so like in the book uh, a lot of the animals are are described as being half human in a way that insinuates that they might be the former people from expeditions now like cast into this life of being this humanoid dolphin or this like really horrible thing that exists in the reeds um but so the book is you know, the film is feminist. We feel like yeah, it's got an all female cast. They're like they're all scientists. But like they're all scientists. Mm-hmm. In the book, <laughs> what if I, what if I told you in the book the first of all the scientist earns her right to be there. She doesn't just volunteer because her husband was there and they like she's tested, she volunteers, she goes in, she knows exactly what she's doing and she doesn't go in to go after him. They have a terrible marriage. They don't love each other. And she's she says many times that her impetus to go in is not to find out what happened to him, but to find out about the void. And, and in the movie, it feels like we keep coming back to what happened to Oscar Isaac's character. It's really important to keep having these scenes because he's a great actor and Alex Carlin works with him and it makes sense with this story. But what if I told you there was a version of this story where the that is completely not important and it feels a little bit more feminist and it feels a little bit more like, Oh yeah, this feels more human, if anything. But that's more academic, and as well. Of as course, we know. it's more cerebral. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't like yeah. that in our action movies, KT. We don't like that. No, and we have a lead male, and we've paid for him, so let's yeah. get some scenes. Yeah, let's get Poe Dameron and Princess Leia's mom, and <laughs> you will never hear me say less Oscar Isaac either. So like, ah, yeah, if late. you're gonna get a, if you're gonna get eight, one dude, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, great. he's shirtless you know? through most of his appearances. But he fe- he feels so. very superficial though throughout. Like they, they don't do they do a lot to show you Natalie Portman's character, like Lena, right? Like you you know a lot about yeah. her motivation. Mm-hmm. You know that she, you know, I mean, she loved her husband, but that's almost incidental. She's mm-hmm. curious. She's um like you know she wants to study the the cellular part of this and just happens to uh you know line up exactly with what her specialty is but you you know you feel like you know a lot about her and she's kind of a fierce character i don't feel like you know a lot about uh like oscar isaac besides the fact that he was in the military and like you know was her like dumb uh it's kind of kind of fucking um dumb like uh bimbo kind of husband like <laughs> oh absolutely i think he's definitely given bimbo. more agency I guess bimbo, in the book than, than in the movie husband. yeah like he just does this thing uh, you know, and multiple times in the movie, she says, like, I just just want to be where he is. I just want to know what happened to him. And it's like, uh, is that a good motivation? I mean, 
but then again, of course, all of the characters are flawed and they have that self-destruction thing. So that could be purposely what Alex Garland was going for. Well, I feel like, uh, yeah, so I feel like her character has got that, but I don't think any of the rest of them do. You know, I mean, even Jennifer Jason Lee, especially, like, it's sort of like, mm -hmm. I, I think our character's, you know, probably the one that's like, wow, I wish I actually knew a little more about that character. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, and then... <laughs> It does feel like she 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 kind of has I get this it, feeling, I get it. <laughs> but like so she goes in. She finally goes in because she has cancer and she knows she's gonna die. She doesn't really go in with the rest of the group, letting them know the level to which she doesn't expect to come back. No, and she like, not at all. But she doesn't feel like she needs sinister. To. You know? Well, sure. But I mean yeah. that character that character feels very sinister too, right? Like it feels like throughout mm -hmm. the movie she has another motivation, and then you find out, well, the other motivation is that she's just not coming back. But like yeah, it's one you, you do feel like you yeah. do feel like that you're gonna find out she lied about something, mm -hmm. you're gonna find mm -hmm. out that she has another motivation. Like they're talking yeah. about agendas when they're you know, like she's like, Is that really why you're going in? And she's like, No, that's not really why, but she doesn't mm -hmm. really comment on it past there. And um I just feel like uh, the whole movie, like you're expecting her to have some kind of darker motivation or to be mm -hmm. working with the shimmer in some way to like feed the the people too. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's just Jennifer Jason Lee's like being really good at acting that you, oh. that you can't really <laughs> yeah. quite. And you're picking up on what the character was in the book. All of those things that you said you felt, those are true. The psychiatrist uses hypnosis to be sinister and is working with the Southern Reach government. Like, these are all well, there's of nothing these more kind sinister of, than hypnosis yeah. given by a psychiatrist. To, to make them do can, stuff Can, can like I refer to killed. you to our song Criminal Hypnosis on Adult Prom, <laughs> available now, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think that, that that would come through in even this version of the character. And he's but, gone. But I think that <laughs> he's like, I'm out of here. I can't believe she said Mike that. Mike drop. Bam. <laughs> no, he made his point and he's out. No, the the I mean, but it's also like what I like about it is that it doesn't it doesn't feel the need to make a big deal of it uh, either. Mm -hmm. Like like she can be complicated. Like we wouldn't think twice as as a society. Not that as a society we're thinking about annihilation in the movie, but we wouldn't think twice about like if it was like you know who would be the Jennifer Jason Lee standard? Kurt Russell, right? You know, mm -hmm. we, we we wouldn't even think twice about like. Her being kind of like a hard case and sort of like not really like sharing or divulging anything and having her own agenda, I would sort of be like, "Oh, that guy's a dick," you know. And it's and I I like it. I think I think it's refreshing. I think it's refreshing that it wasn't the focus either. Uh, I also think that not everyone gets a full story, and that's fine because mm -hmm. when you give everyone a full story, again, caveat: I did not read the book, but like it just feels like there was there was too much plot from from. When I look at, like, you look at something like what makes a good screenplay, right? It's like, that's a lot of plot. And if you're going to do that, cool, but that's a very different kind of movie. And, if like, I think he was, he was very much going for a vibe movie, and that's mm -hmm. that's where the stalker comparisons come in, I think, charitably. Because, oh, yeah. look, if someone's like, hey, this is, like, uh, a cross between, like, RoboCop and, like, this Ingmar Bergman movie, I'm going to be like, great, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm, you're, it's like a product for me. I'm, I'm totally down. Uh and Stalker's like, you know, one of the great examples of like just the all time vibe movie. I think I called it like the best game of Let's Pretend Ever uh, on the one on that episode because like you've seen almost nothing and it's all in the performance and all in, in, in the vibe. And also, everyone got poisoned. It's, got, it's definitely got a waiting for Godot vibe. Like, there's a, yeah. there's a version of it that could easily be theatrical. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, 
I don't want to discredit or feel like say, I'm saying this isn't a good movie. I'm just saying like there are there are definitely levels to which you're going to pick sure. up on what was left from the original that and like it it's hard to frame this in in a question of is this a really feminist movie when I feel like so much of the main character's impetus is to find out what happened to her husband. I don't think it's a feminist movie. I think it's just mm-hmm. uh, I, I just I think it just has a mostly female cast that has that has agency. And it passes the Bechdel test. It does. It certainly does, yes. (laughs) And with an action, like, let's go back to what you said, not every character can have a backstory. With an action movie, you're going to have your red shirts. You're going to have to have your people that die really. And the book does this, too. The book has characters that are like, yeah, they fucking died right away. I don't want to learn shit about them. So, yeah, Yeah. I definitely think that's important. Give them just enough, too, to care. Like, like, you know, oh, I, I, um, you know. Uh, I'm a week away from retiring, you know, and that's like, sure. I'm about to be a granddad. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, um, uh, uh, guy I mentioned, I, I mentioned her name earlier, uh, Tuva Novotny's character, Cass. Um, mm-hmm. that's like her whole deal, right? It's just like, you basically, she's basically there to be like, well, actually, you know, uh, you know, like the whole thing, like talking about, um, you know, uh, Tess Thompson's character, like, uh, like the everyone's got like their, th- that's as much backstory as you get. Is oh, there's a whole like world behind each one of these women, mm-hmm. as there is with everyone, and that you know, the Natalie Portman character is so kind of caught up in like what she's, which is she's seeing, she's only like seeing the surface level, mm-hmm. uh, on it, and, and that's about as far as it goes with it. And the rest of it's like cool. Here comes the alligator. Here comes the bear. Here comes. <laughs> Yeah. It's still it's still ultimately a movie, yeah. Yeah, and and like, and and I think it gives you just enough that when you think about, okay, why was Tessa Thompson's character cutting herself, right? Well, she's like mm-hmm. trying to like, trying to like feel something, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's interesting because you think about how she reacts like when they see the, you know, the what the incredible topiary of the of the humans, and it'd be like, oh well, it's you know, this is this is human genomic material, and this like and and that like makes you sort of re-examine everything you've been seeing so far because you've been looking at it as like you know this is just a pure invasive entity that's mm-hmm. you know why is it doing these things and, and then it's like oh no this is this is something entirely different and that's the first step towards like when you get to the twinning scene and you and you see like the harrowing kind of like especially if you don't know what's going on uh that whole scene of of like the the double eventually like taking on her form when when she touches her and, and puts the uh, phosphorus grenade in in the hand like it's crazy because you're like again it almost would be like if it was just flat out attacking her it would almost be like comforting yeah because you can and, understand that and I think to speak again to the great sound design did anybody clock how silent that the whole scene is oh. like maybe three or five minutes long and it's silent with a couple of like strings or key bits yeah. but there's no dialogue. Like, yeah, it sounds like, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like a job I would want to do to score this movie, by the way. They also have like that cool ocular, uh, it, it like looks at her first, and you and you get to see her, like, you get to see her through the oculus of this, uh, yeah. alien, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and then it takes the form of a humanoid, which would imply that that's not even like the form, you know, it's not like it's not running around with that form, right? Like, that's just kind of the form that it's in the process of. Uh, building up and whatever it's doing with mm-hmm. the, the genes, the DNA and combining everything together within the shimmer. Like it, it's in the process of kind of almost like downloading the image of her. And um, which, which goes like a lot quicker when she actually makes like flesh to whatever contact yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Right, like, to, like, yeah, but like, just, yeah, but just like the thing where like, you know, she's trying to get out and it pins her up against the door. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's a crazy scene. Cause like, what's happening? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's yeah, there's some probably like, good ba- body acting in that. Yeah, scene. yes. No, it's like like it's like what I think people try to get out of stuff like interpretive dance and things like that. <laughs> yes, and, and it's I, yes. uh, Katie. I don't know if you were on when we were talking about this. It's the same. Um, it, it's the same actress from uh, from Ex Machina. It's the same. Um, uh, Sonoya yeah. Mizuno. Uh, she's in Devs too. She's, she's like all, all of uh, almost all of Alice Garland's thing because because the only. Um, <laughs> There's only one woman in um in men, uh, which is the point. And I, again, I, 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 know, I can't right? believe they added a woman to men. The twenty third, the twenty first century, everything's gone woke. They've added a woman to men now. <laughs> well, yeah. almost. I guess it's almost a spoiler alert. But like, yeah, other I almost than Jesse just in the twenty third century, by the way. Uh, other th- other than Jesse Buckley, who's, who's the main character, there's almost only one dude too. But anyway, that's a bit mm-hmm. of a spoiler. So, mm-hmm. so this is this is one last <laughs> clip. This is uh, talking about shooting Area X and the Shimmer, and how they decided to shoot it. And it's so funny that it's England. Like I don't know, there's just something so funny about being like we need, yeah. to, we need to like we Northern need to, Florida. We need to recreate our own Florida. You know what we no. should do? We could go to England and then. I swear to God, no, it's coastal Maine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, no, what makes it also funny is that uh, Jeff Vandermeer was like, wow, it looks just like North Florida. Like, I got the vibes for the whole movie, and it's like, but it's England. I think if you can shoot in sequence, it helps everybody. You keep a different kind of track of the story and where characters are within the story and where you are within the story and where your colleagues are within the story. I sometimes think that the biggest issues on film sets often reduce to communication. And on the films i work on there is a very open level of communication there's a lot of talk between all the departments and hierarchy structures are very deliberately broken down and it's a collective and that could make things rather kind of messy potentially and complicated and unfocused but one of the ways you can mitigate that is if you shoot in sequence, everybody kind of understands where they are. And our story allowed us to that. Often you're chopping and changing backwards and forwards between time and place. But we go in pretty much, um, you know, a, a straight line of time. And it has so many advantages in the production of the film, in, in the design process. But I think in the drama, for the actors, for the people making it, it's so much easier to progress you know one step at a time and if we all start to believe this is our general mantra mantra for us in design as well if we believe what's on screen and we believe that then that translates straight to the actors and that will translate to the audience hopefully so i think many many crews would love to do it in order but it's not always possible we thought a little bit very very briefly about shooting in louisiana for the landscape but it turned out there were many, many very, very solid reasons why it made sense to shoot in the UK. 54, Alpha take four. Thank you, Jen. So we are standing at entering the swamp in America, although we're actually in Windsor in England. Don't tell anyone. So Windsor Great Park is part of the Crown Estate. <laughs> Windsor Castle is Windsor. Um, only <laughs> a couple of miles down the road. That's where the Queen lives. So effectively, <laughs> we're in her back garden. 
Um, so when you think of Florida swamps, you don't necessarily think of the English Queen and her um, and her estate. But as it, as it happened, when the guys first visited I th- I um, and Florida looked at the, the, the pond as it was of... then, Alex said you can carry on scouting, you can look at other places, places if you wish, but this is where we'll shoot. It's perfect. <laughs> We've dressed it with the little stumps, as you see, and the, the Spanish hanging moss and created an immaculate illusion of um, a swamp in Florida. So we've made 20-foot bald cypresses, which which have a cone base. The things we noticed there were, for that sort of area, were cone-based trees and what we call knuckles and, and knees, which are, it's a root system that grows out of the swamp areas to get, I guess, oxygen. So we replicated about 100 of those out of polystyrene, painted them, and uh, we found this sort of knee-deep area and we popped them in with our trees. And hopefully, I mean, we feel it looks pretty spot on to that area. Right next to it, we have uh, a pond area, which allowed us to put in the next beat of their trip where they see um, a fishing hut. Michelle Day, who is part of the production design team, turned up with an image that she'd taken on a recce to Louisiana, a photograph of a, a hut that had half sunk into the swamp immediately it speaks of something different something broken and so we built the whole scene around the photo that Mish took because if the if the hut is sunk at that angle then the water's going to be at that angle and if the water's at that angle then whatever's in the water can be hidden in that space and we've been outside in this big forest with these beautiful strange prismatic light effects and mutant flowers clustered around this thing but now we can be in a dark and claustrophobic space and so it all just keeps building outwards i think recreating these things for real was hard but the 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 way every set has been pushed to be this slightly surreal or other type of thing as well this this shimmer and how and nature being different and crazy and mutated and spliced has been incredible i mean i loved working in the fishing hut set because they've done all sorts of things that made you feel that you were properly in the southern states of america and we have obviously american actresses and we have american people visiting and they could not believe no one could believe we were five miles from trafalgar square or maybe in our terms one mile from the m25 i feel like this is all like nature do be crazy though yeah (laughs) well i mean they had to change so much of the set to make it the weird area x nature that you could have done this yeah anywhere because you would have had to change so much anyway yeah i'm so surprised the hut was there already to begin with yeah that is kind of strange i I think one of the things that kind of makes it work too is if you're actually familiar with the area because i mean i've spent my spare share of these swamps of uh, okifinoki uh, you know, um, just chilling with Uncle uh, Alligator. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, I hung out around the Queen's Swamp. But, but if you watch movies like Excalibur and there's this other one where a guy has like this lightsaber, there's like a cyclops that he rides around horses with and, and has to go save a princess from a giant spy. I can't remember that name of that movie. I've got you on Excalibur. We'll um, go with that. But, but anyways, uh, <laughs> they're, they're filmed in the same uh, the same swamp. And it, it looks on film different than like going to, uh, you know, going out to Florida. So the extra little additions to the Spanish moss, you know, uh, plus the fact that the, the the trees are just a little bit different for, from what, you know, what you're used to from, uh, uh, from Florida or Louisiana. Um, it makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, that that it kind of creates an almost alieny 
uh, effect. Like, like it's more than just mutated the trees. You know, can can, can I can I tie in the fact that Excalibur, directed by John Borman, another movie John Borman did, Deliverance. Yes, Swam- and uh, swamps. If you if you get a swamps. chance, watch the um watch the director commentary of uh, uh, Excalibur. And thank me later because it is hilarious. I was going to ask him to watch our Deliverance episode with Mark Borshaw. Well, that, that's yeah, that first, too. first that, <laughs> then, then the Excalibur. After you're done with that, then watch the Excalibur commentary. That's <laughs> deep. I don't care for it. Uh, yeah. Let's not have uh, the uh, man bear pig on screen. <laughs> yes. So I guess we have to talk about Al Gore now. <laughs> Talk about an inconvenient truth, am I right? Hey, he's, he's on. He's on stage. Like, well, there's this thing out there called the Shimmer, <laughs> <laughs> and it's created the man bear pig. It's half man, half bear, half pig. <laughs> the climate, the climate's changing fast in the Shimmer. You know what else is uh, changing fast is the the clock as we wind down to this episode. So we should probably do Letterbox one liners, right? All right. <laughs> so Letterbox, of course. Is a place for film lovers to talk at with and to each other. It's a social media site for people to love cinema. And of course, this is a bottom up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say, not just the Siskels and Eberts of the world. Everyone gets to opine, chime and not in. Not just Uncle Alligator either, but not just Uncle Alligator. He's, Uncle he's Alligator. On there like crazy. <laughs> I, I bet there's like, you know, there's like a million Twitter clones. There's probably a letterbox clone that's literally just Uncle Alligator's thoughts. But I don't I've, know. I've always I've always had like the thought like the second you make a joke or something like a Twitter account pops up like that's sure. like the that's like a clone future or whatever you're like I'm and then there's like six of them. Oh man, <laughs> I was so mad when the uh, fast food restaurant Rex's had a uh, children's uh, character called Uncle Alligator. I'm just like stole. You'll be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else? Uh, of course, that, that ticked me off. All right, all right. I'm still trying to intro the bit, people. Come on. The 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 uh uh yeah yeah. So everyone gets to have their say, right? Everyone gets to have their say. That's that's the point of it. It's a it's a nice resource for that. Uh, resource for other things. Keeping track of movies you want to see. Look, I, there's some Saul Bass thing that I forgot. I put my watch list forever ago that Andy referenced earlier in the group chat. I'm like, oh yeah, I should check that out. Uh, and all of this is best expressed for a purpose of this, this bit very succinctly. You don't want to do like super long form where everyone's like ADD riddled and, and everything. So these are the uh, letterbox one-liners that we were going to react to as we always do uh, on this show, Movie Night Extravaganza, for the film Annihilation. Let's go. They really just left their bags everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever happened to uh, the fucking carry out, like, uh, you know, you bring it in. You, you carry it out, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah. Leave so only a, footsteps, take only memories. It's it's still a it's still a state park. It's still a national park. <laughs> you know that's great. I didn't notice that. That's a real apt thing to say. Ideal shroom location. No, contradict that. Horrible shroom location. Regular <laughs> regular forest will look like this. Do not go. That's like the the first time I ever got uh, took shrooms with a friend. He was watching uh, Fantastic Beasts and like where to find them. That and like that's not. This is no. <laughs> what if it just? It would probably just look like a regular forest if you took shrooms. <laughs> just... <laughs> this sucks. It's just the forest. <laughs> the, they're like they're like everything's changing. You're like no. It's no. not. Everything looks exactly the fucking same. It's boring. Dude. These shrooms aren't even working, man. Amadala <laughs> takes peyote. You know what I like? I, what I like is that um, a lot of these that I pull too, I was like, some of the funniest ones are like no likes or like two likes. You know, it's just like, oh. that's one of the things I like about this bit. We get to showcase. Uh, 
you know. Lost gems. Padme Amidala takes peyote. <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh, that's the worst Vice show. Oh my god! Padme Amidala takes peyote. <laughs> Didn't even make it a season. The fuck did I just watch? Hell yes. <laughs> that before, like the first time I watched it the other day, like. It was during the day, and I was like, I wasn't capable of paying attention as much as I wanted to, and yeah. that's how I felt at the end of it. I was like, this is like somebody, this is like somebody made a horror movie about what happens when you stare at a kaleidoscope for too long. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this could also be a, a review of Stalker. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. Couples have become weird ass hybrids of an alien force and themselves together stay together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes you see these couples and like they spend too much time together. They're morphing into like you know one person. Like it's almost like they're mutating. You know what I mean? Like it, this is a good question. At the end, do you perceive like his eyes glow, and we know he's not him? Her eyes glow. What do you think that means? She's been changed by the her like the the genetic damage she's gotten is still mm. the same, right? Like, and I was I was reading somebody else talking about the ending or whatever, and they were like they made the point that um. Like everybody that's been in there, kind of, you're you're like a you're like a soup of a person, right? Like you're you're parts of everyone and everything that have been in there too. Mm -hmm. So when your eyes glow, it's like the eyes of everybody else too. Like you 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 leave the the shimmer with everybody else, uh, kind of in you, mm -hmm. which uh, you know it's like a it's like an alien gangbang. <laughs> so you do stay together. Yeah. I mean, they're going to stay together in that cell because they're definitely not getting out of that military quarantine. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, I guess it's a good Well, I mean, you them. know, until Annihilation 2. It's annihilated. Electric Nile Blue. Yes. This is the film equivalent of trying to sleep on ecstasy. Dude, yes. <sighs> Actually, I I don't know. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but you like you literally can't. And your body still feels the full effect of the fucking ecstasy. And everything kind of <laughs> everything. Everything feels like it's buzzing like while you're trying to sleep like don't try to sleep when i see this this, this is that yeah. this is that <laughs> I, I was uh, walking down the street the other day and i heard dance music just all of a sudden i turned to my wife and i go is is that dance music or is the e finally kicking in <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been like a decade and it finally kicks in you're like oh fuck. It's like, oh. <laughs> they weren't talking they're talking about slow release they weren't kidding i like spooky shit i like weird mindfuck shit and i like boing noises this is cinema yeah. <laughs> if you're in it for boing noises, sign peak, up. Peak boing no, noises. This, this movie versus All Quiet on the Western Front. No, that's oh, that's annihilation. You really want? No, but some I'm not. I'm saying, I'm saying in terms of the boing, I'm saying in terms of the boing noises. Yeah. yeah. Right. I like I like the boing 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 boing. Yeah. <laughs> not only does it have the boing noises, but it uses monochrome better. Yes, much like trying to sleep on ecstasy there's just too many bong noises <laughs> that's matt mckenzie he's a he's a friend of mine on uh letterbox so there you go follow, follow him me and Yay. seven other people like that one noises from this movie live in my head rent free the the, cra the craziest one is the when she's staring into the oculus and mm -hmm. we're looking back out at her from the oculus which is an insane fucking shot like yeah, like no, there's it's... there's a couple of seconds where we're inside of the fucking Oculus thing looking up at Natalie Portman, which if I wasn't an Oculus thing, you know, you could do worse. You could but, do a lot worse. Just like yeah. we're inside the alligator right now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that shot. Well that shot foreshadows, I feel like the... I'm doing this bit from inside the alligator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the, uh, that's the, the British albino alligator. So really, it is like a member of the royal family. <laughs> and and this is uh this is from Greg. Greg's uh, another. And it also has fucked up teeth like the royal family. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Prince Charles has political like statement. Teeth. Wow. It, it has it has shark teeth, which is like weird. Like, where's the shark from? Well, I guess it, it is it is on the shoreline, I guess. So maybe like a shark swam into the fucking bayou because that happens at like the estuary or whatever, like a bull shark. I don't know. The House of Windsor is going to be canceling their Patreon subscription after this episode, by the way. No, actually, strangely, they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. First you kill mummy. And, and now and now you're making fun of our, our swamp inbreeding. Well. I am just going to take my five dollar subscription. <laughs> <laughs> we used to be a proper Patreon. <laughs> Will this be on the AP bio exam? <laughs> I mean, yes. Hawks Hawks jeans. Well, you know, she's like, mm-hmm. this is the mm-hmm. this is the Hawks jean, and it's the one that uh, you know, it's the one that that shapes your whole body. Which I like the the science in this is apparently immaculate, which is kind of insane. Immaculate the, science. The last 50 minutes of this movie are scarier than anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude, it, like, I, I feel like as a kid, like, your, like parents would always say shit like, oh, don't look into that kaleidoscope for too long. And that, like, watching the end of the, the last 15 minutes of this movie, it feels like what they must have been thinking is going to happen if you stare at the kaleidoscope. Not, like, for, <laughs> like, don't stare into that thing too long. You know, your eyes are going to have problems when you're older for looking too much at the thing. It's exactly. like... <laughs> a bit like looking into the mouth of madness. A little bit, a little bit. All roads lead back to HP. <laughs> Those are the letterbox one-liners for Annihilation. Please, please, please follow the show. That's the Shimmer Improved Florida, the Shimmering over there. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I like the idea. Of, I like the <laughs> idea of uh, just uh, the, you're you're voting on a ballot, and one of them is like the Shimmer D. <laughs> the, sh- the Shimmer, R. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Shimmer won in a walk. I didn't. It was a it was a front porch camp, front swamp campaign. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, follow Movie Night Extra. That's uh, your host, Force Miller, over there. I am the Crystal Plant Lighthouse Mojo Dojo Denison Conan Neutron, the one and only on Letterbox, f- doing all the uh, highbrow, uh, midbrow, the populist fair. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge. Ron DeSantis Sa- Ron- is going, stop shimmering. Stop <laughs> shimmering. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Andrew, Darabont's Geostorm World is the rhythm of the dividing pair. He's also watching all the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to. Or maybe see so you do. Like, I don't know. That's enough for me to judge. He's watching all the intellectual property mans and uh, all the the attendant uh, <laughs> things. <laughs> It'll never not be. If I see IP man, it's intellectual property man. Yeah, I was not intending to watch another is. one of those films. I, I seriously <laughs> was not. Just like, like halfway through, like the movie's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Why not just call it One Punch Man? Anyway, whatever. But <laughs> what that's either here nor there. did not teach Bruce Lee? I don't care about the answer. That's fine. Okay. Uh, KT, the cinema- cinematologist down there, little deadly creature. Yes, absolutely. Uh, is uh, also, uh, she's on Letterboxd. She's on Letterboxd as a uh, actress as well. So she's, mm. she's, she's, right, yes. she's riding that line. She's not going to talk that much trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Work. <laughs> this movie so, was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great <laughs> you know that's a bit if you look at jeff vandermeer's response to the adaptation of his film he kind uh, of has a certain air of that like 
I like when people pay me money for my books and I am not going to say anything bad to anyone yeah. on camera about anything. I happy. Yeah. That's, that's a reasonable response. Mm-hmm. That, that's, I, I think so. I think it's a reasonable well, especially response. if you know the, the history of uh, Jeff Vandermeer's wife and, and Vandermeer's career, this this book was the first like mainstream. I mean, because they're part of that like new weird movement, and they put together all these yeah. compilations. Well, like, that, that was that, like I said earlier. There's anthologies like there's weird, the new weird, like yeah. great names for anthologies. But the first like main, the first touch of like mainstream success that he ever has gotten in yeah. his life was this, you know, the book Annihilation. I, I feel like it, people it, can still it, read books, you know, but, yeah, but they can like, like the movie and find the books afterwards. Turn but I feel like yeah. if, if that's the case, you're not going to want to like shit all over the movie that somebody made of like the first book you've ever had that got mainstream attention you're gonna be like i'd like i'd like if i'd like if the second book that i wrote also gets adapted and turned into something and i get money out of that like the fuck the fuck do you care if you know if it's faithful or not like so when you look at stuff about like alan moore and how he gets all like ups and right you know some of his shit is very very badly adapted but his righteousness and you're like compare that to this it feels like oh no this is a way more reasonable response yeah the only yeah. reason alan moore can get away with that is because he's one of the very best yeah. like because because him like and there is kind of cool things like him uh, was a watchman he took his name off of and then like everything went to the artist right all, yes all the, which i which thought was good pretty cool yeah yeah mm-hmm. jeff but, darrow like, needs that money yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> Lord knows. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there is, you know what, man? You don't have to like react to everything. You you just you could just be like, you know, hey, cool. Glad people like it. By the way, mm-hmm. copy's still available. <laughs> Exit through the gift shop. <laughs> That's what I would do. I, I, mean, I, I will be in the, uh, I'll be waiting in the uh, front hall. Copy's still yeah. available. I'll, They'll uh, I'll be signed again. if you feel so inclined. Surprise, if you like this movie, there's a whole story yeah. unrelated that you can read and be enticed by as well. You, you, you like, can also do it like, like Neil Alex, Gaiman. Alex like, Garland's Fever Dream. Well, you can read about my fever dream here. Right, exactly. The OG uh, dream. When, uh, when Neverwhere premiered in the United States, I was actually at the very first showing. Uh, Neil Gaiman introduced himself. And he shat all over the movie, uh, the miniseries, <laughs> because um, it looks terrible. And, and you can see that. And he's a lot more diplomatic in any of his recorded interviews about the thing. But he was so full of vitriol. And it actually makes perfect sense if you've ever read the, the novel of uh, Neverwhere. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, like writing in all capital letters with six explanation points about like his description of door because they, he felt like uh, she was miscast. He loves the actress, just felt that they completely miscast the character of what uh, he had written initially. And, and there's a there's a lot of that in the book. And it's like, oh, OK, that explains why the book is written that way. OK, but but like uh, seeing him, you know, introduce it in person and then like going back and actually watching like the DVD where he's doing the uh, uh, the commentary and he's. He's much more diplomatic about everything. Like, like mm-hmm. he's not making fun of uh, Alfred the bull. He's like being completely reasonable and understandable about the fact that, yeah, bringing a bull to the sewer of London is not a good idea to uh, then put makeup on it. Um, yeah, why burn your bridges? You know, just, just you want to keep yeah. working. No, exactly, exactly. But like, if you saw him at like in person at that premiere in Boston where there were no camera mm-hmm. phones because it was 1999, um, you know, there was none of that. Uh, it was it was like, you know, you really got to know his feelings on it and it was not nice. Oh. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sherry is on Letterboxd. Yeah. And like you should go follow her, everyone, because let's do it. Not everybody follows her. And I, I feel like that's we have to support each other on uh, mm-hmm. all these these sites because I don't know, just because. Because I said so, that's why. <laughs> um 
Andy, uh, do you want to take some with the plugs? Yeah, you are watching us on YouTube right now, so please do those YouTube things, like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and of course, the big ask for everybody's watch the video to the end. That gives you a chance to hear a great Conan and Trunt song, and that allows us to be discovered by other movie fans. If you're over I on just Twitch, got right? Whoa! Yeah! <laughs> uh, if you're over on Twitch right now, um, you know, throw us a sub. The big ask over there is if you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to our show for free. Doesn't cost you anything, but really does help us out. So thank you if, if you're able to uh, help us uh, in any of those ways. Uh, I'm thinking you now. Hey, somebody say hit that bell because. <laughs> hit that bell. <laughs> exactly. So we can have a reaction like this. <laughs> we really don't like the podcast audience today. <laughs> no, it's... You're listening. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank if you you're so on... much uh twitch uh, if you're uh bleh, what am i doing yeah we already did twitch if you are on social media you can find us on facebook twitter hey, andy when you uh, act confused you look like this <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the monkey always throwing me off um but yeah you can find us on uh twitter uh or x now whatever the hell they call that um uh, a blue sky uh instagram and of course facebook uh so please find us over there you can get uh previews of art you can see uh on occasion um you can see <laughs> what do we remember <laughs> yeah we remember uh but but you you know you can communicate with us uh find out what's going on uh because you know who knows what we're what we're going to post next you can communicate with us but don't give us a <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, also, we have a Patreon. Um, the Patreon actually is money that goes straight to us to help us uh, fund this this program that goes you're right watching us. Yeah. It goes yeah. right into my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and most of uh, it yeah. goes to like you know hosting the podcast, the audio listeners that we've been shitting on all day, and um, uh, but, but just depriving uh, them of essential experiences. It's it's like it's like when you're a live album and everyone's clapping for a thing you can't see. It's like I can't see that. It's a record. Yeah, we want you to watch live with us on YouTube. Exactly. Be in the comments. Exactly. Some bands oh. like, oh, I hope you're seeing this right now. It's crazy out here. <laughs> <laughs> that, but the, this has never you... happened before. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone starts laughing. What are they laughing at? I don't know. It's a live record. All right. It's a giant inflatable. Exactly. <laughs> But, but Sorry, uh, Andy, the nice ahead. thing about uh, the Patreon is that you have access to all of our after parties forever. So, after party, after party forever. forever. Uh, okay, that's enough. Oh. We're way out of practice on that. Yeah. Were we ever really in practice on that? No. <laughs> I never know what's happening, so I'm just here. <laughs> we need we need to do we need to do band rehearsal to get the after party. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Co Conan's got the, the little like uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Get the right One, two, three, four. <laughs> uh, with Christina not here tonight, uh, we hope she you know joins us next time. But uh, mm -hmm. sadly, she wasn't here. to be here. But I do want to shout out. She does have her Patreon. So if you uh, want to see more Christina. Go over there. Support She's got a Kofi on. She doesn't have a Patreon. Right? I thought she got she her Patreon, Patreon back. Oh, I don't know. She could be. Yeah, a she, yeah she 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 uh, re re put up her Patreon. Oh, okay. Well, so yeah, I'm directing people over to her Patreon. All right. Let them. And I should politics. also I should also say that uh, me and Christina are going to be on the Power Report with mm -hmm. uh, and from the Internet on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, I think uh, slash yeah. Um, we're we're gonna be on there, and we're gonna be talking about the Trump indictments. I guess I think that's the 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know why we're like the, I don't know why we're the, the rainy experts on the Trump indictments, but I'm really happy that Dan from the internet invited us to come on. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. It's also be the uh, same night as me, but it's at least it starts an hour later. So. Yes. So Conan, speaking of you, yes. you, you have um, uh, who's coming on this week for Protonic Reversal? So I just did a special episode with uh, Mr. Flies uh, last week, uh, which is up now for Patreons. They're and, fun. And uh, yeah, you saw the McAdderall. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, talk about their new record, upcoming record, upcoming tour with Melvins and Boris. I got Mike Hard of Thrall and Godbelies coming back on, on Thursday. He's a fascinating fella. Definitely big revivalist preacher energy uh, to what he does. Very interesting mm. cat. So he's going to be on Thursday. You can catch an hour of that before you go over and see Christina and Forrest on Dan's show, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then I got an exclusive on Sunday. I'm actually doing three episodes this week. It's crazy. Mm. Uh, with all three members of Steel Pole Bathtub, uh, mm. which is very, very exciting because they've never done an appearance in the, in the internet age, uh, all three of them together. And uh, one of the reasons why is to talk about their uh, play in a show in uh, for emos uh, whatever year anniversary it is in texas and uh, just socializing that and talking about all their records and stuff and the fact that um everyone anyone that knows that band darren morex is now dorothy kent so we're going to be talking about that as well and just should get me excited it's one of my all-time favorite bands so yeah, i've never had all three of them i don't think they've ever done a joint appearance so that's pretty exciting mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a while since i've heard them so that yep. sounds great. Still great. Mike, Mike, of course, uh, better known for movie fans as the visual effects director for all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm. Mm. Cool. Good work there. Yeah. And uh, you can you can support all that, too, over at Conan's Patreon. Go to, uh, 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 you know what? I don't have it written down. Shit. Uh, it's patreon.com just... per reversal. It's not that Okay. Hard. It's just it's, the name it's... of the show. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I just had a panic it's attack. Safe. Yes. Um, well, it it's could have It's been... literally behind me, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, it could have been, you know, <laughs> patreon.com, uh, you know, uh, Neutron Friends. Like, it is neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, which is where you can get all your Conan Neutron music. Yeah, mm-hmm. the name of the band is Conan Neutron, The Secret Friends, of course. Yes. And we, we have a new record out that's up for pre-orders called Adult Prom. It's a split record with Lung. Uh, it looks like this. The the blue is their van. The red is my van. These are hey, uh, I've, front I've, seen, I've, I've been in that van before. You have been in that van before, Yeah. And uh, we're very excited. We finally you made it get out to put alive. <laughs> I left my track jacket in that van. <laughs> you, you did. I still got to send that back. To you, right? uh, we're very excited to have this record out in the world. Uh, you can pre-order LPs, pre-order CDs uh, digitally. You can do right now. It's not streaming anywhere else. Uh, this is the time and place where, if you're going to buy music, please buy music because it's going to both bands and a great independent record label called uh, Learning Curve Records that also is uh, half a catawall. So. There you go. Very cool. And it's called Adult Prom, and I could get into the reasons why, but it's, it's, it's whatever. That's that classic after-party material. It's a prom for adults. Mm. What, what else do you need to... We're also... I guess I wasn't supposed to mention this, but I mentioned it last show, so I'm going to keep mentioning it, uh, that uh, we're going on tour, and it's a West Coast tour. So Yay. if you're on the West Coast, come see us, see us, and us, in this case, being Conan on The Secret Friends, and Long... Uh, Tempe, is that, Arizona. Uh, is that Samurai going to be on? <laughs> <laughs> Samurai, he's, he's our, this is our uh, our driver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tempe, Arizona, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, Reno, Eugene, uh, Portland. The crawl is covering it up, but uh, Seattle and Bellingham as well. So that will be mm-hmm. October. Cool. And Tokyo. And and that's a one. Andrew yeah. World, if you can't tell, made that poster because. 
like, why is there a samurai? Why not? Okay. Yeah. Why not is the answer. Why he not? He really wanted to draw samurai. He wanted to draw <laughs> samurai, people. That's why. I was like, no one was mad at it. I was like, all right. Glad. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> No, and, he, and, and he's like, and he's like, look, I'll do, I'll do work for you, but I'm gonna be doing something anyway, and <laughs> you, you better, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, sometimes people like they'll be a tattoo artist. It's like, hey, you get money off this tattoo, <laughs> but I have to pick the tattoo. Yeah, my, yeah, for twenty bucks. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a giant dick on your arm. I'm not gonna, but you, you don't get to guess that. I don't you know if it's it. if it's a Von Bodie. I mean, not a Von Bodie, Mark Bodie. Uh, you know, tattoo that that's uh, discounted. I'd go for that. Even if it is Even a giant it's still dick. a dick? It's, okay. Hey, have you seen his mushrooms? But it's a Banksy. Okay. Yeah, different strokes. Different <laughs> folks. Like, sounds like uh, Eminem's hey. album, Still a Dick. Like, <laughs> Well, don't buy that record. Buy my record. I put it in yeah, the Yeah, no, much better. Correct. Spent on Conan. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, spend your money, money on Conan. And, and of course, and I'll see dick from this Patreon, just from mine. Um <laughs> Well, while you're doing things, go to uh, uh, Letterboxd and review all of Katie's movies. Give, give them like five stars. Um, say something really nice about her. Yeah. Go watch uh, the movie. It's great. Should, should we, uh, uh, all of them, even Ted 2? No, oh, God, don't watch Ted 2. <laughs> Sometimes I forget I'm in a movie because I do a lot of background. I'll be watching a movie and be like, this movie fucking sucks. That's me. Damn it. I uh first of all, I have seen Ted too, so that ship's already sailed. Secondly, I finally I watched warn you. I watched her, which I had not seen when it came out, and I forgot that uh my ex bandmate my ex bandmate's wife, Claudia, uh she's an actress and she's in a lot of a lot of things. I forgot that she's in the the really awkward she's the waitress in that really awkward scene uh and i was like oh shit that's claudia <laughs> and i like sitting, like watching this like on a plane i'm like oh wow this is a really weird experience i forgot about this person i know yeah yeah like i know who that is because i've seen her show up in like you know some streaming show or something playing a docker or something mm -hmm. like, oh that's claudia cool she's in an episode of the office you know which is pretty cool you know awesome yeah, but yeah, yeah i was i totally was like i was really immersed in this in this movie and i was like oh shit that's ben's wife <laughs> that's wild because it's been so long because that movie came out so long ago i heard about it when like it came, when she did it mm -hmm. and then it was like that was like 10 years ago or something i just never watched it for some reason mm -hmm. anyway i watched it in uh in college that's a story about how i saw a movie that had someone i knew in it great <laughs> one for the ages these are the I, anecdotal gems that hold this fucking show together conan okay <laughs> exactly. it, it, it's conan watches her for the first time in uncle alligator you know yeah exactly this, this is the, the ip we need to make t-shirts to sell <laughs> in the spotify or shopify site Multi, weirder, weirder the better. What is yes. it, like multi multi uh, tangent of madness or whatever? It's like, yeah, multi tangent of madness. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just start using Uncle Alligator to get people's uh, bank account numbers, and um, you know he's, like he's a Nigerian a, prince scam. He kind of colors. Your... He kind of colors outside the lines, if you know what I mean. That Uncle Alligator. Give us, uh, give us your parents. Uh... Your bank account number, yeah. Maybe that's the name of that of, of the character that that I came up with last uh, last episode, where I was like doing like the big studio exec. Yeah, the, <laughs> it's a shock, but he's a cyborg. That's Uncle Alligator material, is right? Yeah, <laughs> classic Uncle Alligator material. Cutting up fucking Uncle a bunch Alligator. of just like swamp blow. It's yeah. a shock, <laughs> but he's a cyborg and he's on the cocaine, <laughs> like me. Uncle Alligator. It's relatable, you see? Film it today. 
man. What are we on, Andy? Yeah, we were talking about KT. Yeah, uh, no, it's fine. Yeah, go oh. on the letterbox, watch a movie, give it a number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go on the letterbox. Hey, go on the letterbox, watch a movie, give, give, it, give it a give number. It a number. <laughs> Uncle Alligator. <laughs> Uncle Alligator has spoken. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to watch Ted 2 now, and that's my review. <laughs> it's going to make more sense than most of them. I saw the reviews for that movie. Hey. But uh, uh, also, uh, people need to subscribe to uh, What's That Podcast again? Subscribe to Opinions May Vary. Uh, the, subs- the podcast itself uh, in the entity in which they were like doing uh, reviews of uh, comic book stuff, movies and things like that has stopped. But they are uh, the umbrella that is producing the show Starwell Foundation, which was, we talked about a little bit in the beginning of the show, uh, in which I play two characters. So you can hear me doing some voice acting. Uh, I'll be playing Gansfield, the Russian uh, telekinetic villain. And also, I'll be one of the podcast hosts for the podcast inside the show called How Crime, in which you get to hear my delicious dish voice, that kind of like NPR voice. <laughs> nice. um, but it's a really fun show. Episode one just came out. You can listen to it on any kind of you know Apple, any kind of podcast uh, site that has, uh, you know, just Google Opinion May Vary, and it'll be the last episode that came out. Uh, if, if you like all that, there's also a pilot series that you can find by Googling Starwell Foundation or Opinions May Vary, uh, and you know you can get there as well. So there's a lot of fun stuff to listen to. Don't you want to be a star? Sign up for the Starwell Foundation. <laughs> Uncle Alligator is going to make you a star, son. And, and hopefully after they hear this, they, in season two, I'll get to play Uncle Alligator's voice. I, I, I think you know, the, the time has come for a female Uncle Alligator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They made Uncle Alligator woke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this bullshit. Uncle Alligator is supposed to be a man. It's supposed to be a man, and and you're supposed to you're supposed to it's it's the creepiest man possible. And and the fact that it's a woman now, all right? They're they're, they're trying to they're trying to shove this down our throats. <laughs> but, what uh, else we got, Andy? Anything? Yeah, happen? I was just gonna one last thing. Uh, okay. If you want more of me, I'm gonna be on the Letter Hack podcast uh, tomorrow. Oh, that's right. That's tomorrow, Next. right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So he's gonna draw me. Maybe I'll draw him. We'll open up a space. space Yeah. Why don't you guys draw each other at the same time? Like, I've always wanted to watch that happen. You know. Yeah. We'll either end the world or like Michael Brooks will come back from an alternate timeline. (laughs) He's like, he's like, he's like, oh, that was that was crazy. It's like, how the I'm dead here. That's wild. (laughs) Uncle Alex. There you go, Uncle (laughs) Alex. Never have I pined for more Uncle Alligator material. Okay. Uh, Final thoughts? Yeah, KT, final thoughts. For the love of fuck, yes. Uh, I guess my my final thought is I said this earlier. Furthermore. Furthermore. No, if you you watch this and you liked it, I I really urge you to read the book. Uh, it's, It's not quite something that you can put into words, how very creepy and upsetting the book is as well. And it's just kind of like more material to consume. Uh, If you're one of those people where it's like one or the other, this is a very rare occasion in which I will honestly say, read the book, don't see the movie. Because I do earnestly feel like the book is tangibly better. But Hmm. watch the movie, then read the book. Just get more media in your life. (laughs) Get more media in your life. Media, I got it in spades, kid. Be a capitalist in this society. Consume your media today. Exactly. Uncle Alligator has spoken. 
<laughs> we got to make him buy bobbies. How do we get him? How do we make him buy bobbies? We got to make a movie about bobbies. We need to yeah. be cool. All the kids need to be vibing on it, whatever that means. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> All right. Conan, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, this is low-key Alex Garland's stalker, Aliens, Jurassic Park, and the Abyss mashup. And if you sounds like that's for you, then dive in. You know, I really enjoyed it. I think the visuals are very breathtaking. I think it's um, mm-hmm. some great performances here. The last 20, 25 minutes are just insane, and I mean that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's the kind of movie for everybody, but I appreciate the huge swings it took. I think it's very bold and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some, there's a few tropes, but the world building is so intense, vital, and interesting, and you just rarely see that in films like this. And uh, the moodiness is uh, something to behold as well. And I think it's a genuinely unique and interesting film, and I shouldn't have waited so long to watch it uh, the first time, but I'm that second watch, I actually appreciate it even more. So it holds up for uh, repeat viewings for me. Word. Andy, final thoughts. I'm glad that this is the less horny version of uh, Phase 4, because uh, Phase 4, I think the ants are narrating it, and they're like, yeah, these people are going to bang and create the new humans that they're going to populate the Earth. Um, so sorry to ruin the end of that movie. but A spoiler alert. Damn it. No. Spoiler um, alert for a completely unrelated movie. Uh, but however. These people are going to bang, they're, and they're going to create the new humans. <laughs> They're antsy, but they're horny. They're all horned up. I wasn't even listening. Is that what the plot of it is? I don't care, by the way. But Um, but no, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, yes, there's Stalker, Mm, Jurassic mm. Park. uh, But phase four, I think. uh, It's it's the fourth phase. You ask where the first three. Shut up. They're banging. Nobody cares. (laughs) I don't even think they cover that in the ant narration. Oh, okay. Well, let the record show. Dot dot dot. I know. I may have to rewatch the movie because it's been a little this while. This sounds like something that's like Jonathan, the Jonathan Seagull movie, Jonathan Living Seagull, where it's all footage of seagulls, but that it's narrated over as if they have a consciousness. Is that what you're describing? No, no. Uh, uh, they they let all base. You know the the uh, famous graphic designer who did like all the Hitchcock title sequences and posters. Yeah. Um, Hitchcock. He, that was a filmmaker. Let me tell you. <laughs> They, they let him direct a movie, and uh, the movie that he directed... Was I was on the cocaine at the time. I don't Alien understand why I did it either. ...came down to Earth and made ants super smart that then manipulated the DNA of humans. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the whole like, thing is about like the trap ants, of trying like to capture the two ants. humans that were going to be the new Adam and Eve. <laughs> like Uncle Alligator. <laughs> it's, so, what, so your final thoughts are about a totally unrelated movie. Got it. But yeah, Again. I'm just saying it's a less Again, horny version. Second week in a row. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you watched that movie yeah. and you're like, damn it, I wish I could get this movie, but without all the ant horniness, then you <laughs> yes. should see Annihilation. There you go. There you go. Problem <laughs> solved. Yes. Everything Everyone's, solved. Everyone's a winner, baby. Yeah. The ants are Somebody horny. Somebody out there is the like, feeling it. I just, you know what? I can't show this to my kids, all this ant horniness. <laughs> I feel like it's just it's too much. I mean, it's, it's rated PG, but it's just ant horniness all the time. Mm, mm, mm. That's well, there's no my, cursing and that's what's wrong with the whole rating system my yeah. final thought is that uh the shimmer did nothing wrong free the shimmer i it was Absolutely. it was racial profiling 